This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Man, oh, holy cow. This show's gonna hurt a little. Yes, it is. You better buckle up. <laughs> Man, what happened to Philly? We need to do a docudrama on that. What happened to the Philly sports fan? I'm going to tell you this in a minute here. Craig Carton's going to join us at 4.30. The greatness of Philly Godfather, who has plush apartments on Madison Avenue, Broad Street, and Morocco, right next to Xander. We're very proud to have him on. So we will talk to him at 5.30 as well. Wow. I think the toughest sports talk fans are right here on our program each and every single day. And I say it's you. I absolutely do. Okay? I say it's you. This is the last home of the true Philadelphia sports fan. And I say that with sincerity. Okay? You guys are the last of the great ones. You're the last. Okay, you're the last. Kevin Byer, whacked. Great. Not the personal kid. You sucked. And I get $13 million in cap space. Yeah, but what about the player? I don't care. I don't care. And, and before we move on to some of you woke-ass, soft-ass people, I want to show you the problem that you have with your librarian general manager. So he was asked a question about the greatness of Nolan Smith. And you know what he said? This guy's got a lot of ability. You see how well he played in the playoff game? I was like, no, I didn't. I must have missed that because everyone got killed. The guy played an average of around what? five snaps a game and how he's actually telling you that Nolan Smith showed a lot of promise last year. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He sucked. He was one of the guys that stood out in the playoff game in a 31 to nine playoff game. 
he stood out. <laughs> he, he stood out. Are you, I'm agreeing, Flexen. Is that guy high? He really believes that Nolan Smith showed promise last year. Dude, Jalen Carter showed promise. Okay? He he showed promise. Cam Jurgens, his rookie year showed promise. Nolan Smith has shown you nothing. So far, he's been a turd, a dump, like your boy Nicobe. A dump. <laughs> Nolan Dump Smith. That's what you could have dubbed that season last year. And Roseman's trying to sell you that Nolan Smith showed promise. Flexion's like, hey, I got faith in Nolan, but come on, Howie. That's what I'm saying. What are you overcooking the books for, kid? Holy cow. Eh, that guy was a turd last year. Sills, <laughs> you always like to find a problem in our organization. Yeah, when I see a liar, I'm going to call him a liar. Aren't you? Or are you going to go, hey, you know, he didn't really mean, he's just being positive. Jesus, criminy. Look at Steve, man. Compromising a liar's take. How he's right. Look at Steve. He actually thinks Nolan Smith showed promise last year. <laughs> Come on, dog. Come on, man. The guy was a dog. He averaged four snaps a game. Showed great promise in the playoff game that the Eagles got ran over in. I must have missed that. Someone's going to have to send me some clips. Come on, man. Nothing like, that's right, hey. Nothing like sheltering mediocrity. You got to love it. Only in America and only in Philly will you actually get people like Steve and others. You know, he did show promise. See, Steve is the guy that likes to, you know, he, he sees what he wants to hear. I think he did show promise. <laughs> yeah, okay. When was that? At the plush, according to the NFL PA survey lounge, <laughs> eating Philly cheesesteaks. Come on, man. Hey, you got a hell of a cafe, from what I understand. I think it's great. It's wonderful. Take care of your players. Give them good milkshakes. Maybe uh, homie should stay off the milkshakes. You know, Jordan Davis, but we're there. It's okay. You know, not to go back on a point again. I just want to make sure the fat body's working his ass off this um, this offseason. Holy shit, man. <laughs> Showed promise. Now, now I got to say this. So let me let me get this right here. I want I want I want to. I want to get this right about a guy who made a comment 
And it's your boy, No Play Slay. And I got to say, hey, No Play Slay. What did he say about you fans? You're toxic? What do you, Slay called you toxic. Is that right? Toxic Philly fans. Is that right? So you're toxic. Spoke here. Here it is right here. Spoke on the, how toxic the fans in Philly are. Has he walked it back yet? I'm sure he's walked it back. Here, here, here we go right here. Uh, yeah, okay. Darius Slay was on Corner Suite podcast with former Birds Corner, Steven Nelson. They said this, that there's a portion of Eagle fans who think Slay is soft because they view him as some sort of excuse maker or that he has some whack mentality. He's a guy who will go on Twitter or something and he'll do and troll whatever. Okay? We're litigating playing in Philly thing a hundred times before. Playing in that city, we get booed on our own stadium. I don't want to go more into the diatribe here. But your girlfriend, Slay, is a moaner. Play better. You don't like it? That's what the fans used to. That's what the fans used to do. Back in the day, when you didn't play well. And the only people they like are Graham and Kelsey. Well, those guys are getting Hall of Fame Eagle jackets at the end of the day. Okay? How many people in here are going to defend Slay for being soft and weak and a moaner and bitching at the fans who pay his paycheck? Hey, what are you crazy, man? Season tickets. Those are the ones that pay the majority of those players' tickets. The NFL money goes into the owner's pocket when it comes to the TV money. He called you toxic. And by the way, you can't walk that shit back after you said it. That makes him even mean, dude, you got a bunch of wormy dudes on your team between AJ Owens and Darius no play slay these guys are soft then he walks it back you know I really enjoyed playing out of me no shade in Detroit and in Philly come on man you're calling the Philadelphia Eagle fans toxic when all they're asking you to do is earn your money like they do when they get up every day to go to work I don't know about you, but anybody who criticizes my take here and doesn't want him to earn his money, you got a problem with you. I thought your city was tougher. I thought the Eagle fans demanded more. You don't demand more from your guys, and you're okay with that? At the end of the day, who cares if it's Slay, if it's Bradbury, whomever? Earn your money, man. Earn your money. 
Go do your job. Okay? I get it, LJ. You're stuck with the contract. But this guy's this it, now he's walking it back on. I really love playing and you know Detroit and dude, nobody, nobody wants to hear you moaning. It's the same guy that says, wasn't me, it was those guys that sucked this year. Oh. It's like Slay Island. That's the kind of attitude you have on your team. Hey, those guys sucked. I didn't. Those guys sucked. Eagle fans are toxic. (laughs) Getting on me. Tweeting at me. I know some of you thought because we kind of had a little bit of a understanding after I saw that. Hey, man. I'm an equal offender. Well, you think because you send me a couple DMs that I'm not going to go ass deep into you? You're crazy, guy. That's not who I am or what I am. You start throwing shit at the fans and calling them toxic, okay? i tell you what this guy is. You know what he does? This guy's a drama queen too, man. This guy likes to stand on top of an anthill and say, I'm over here. Don't forget me. These attention seeker guys, and it's funny, it's some of your highest paid guys on your team that are insecure about their lives and who they are as a man. I mean, serious, dude. You make all that money, you're an all pro. Hey, you want to hear something truthful about Darius Slay? I think he's had a really good career in Philly. I, I do. I think he's had a good career. Got caught up in a mess in a cesspool last year when it came to how they were going to defend in the secondary. You got rid of uh, Denard Wilson, who was one of the best secondary coaches. Look at what Baltimore did this past season in the secondary. Look how good they were in the secondary. But to sit there in the offseason, starting to – you know, it's funny. It's it's, – the podcast world's funny now. And and Britton Covey's is a direct result. By the way, he told me he wanted to come on. I texted him. I had never heard back from him. Were you trying to – be my friend and then like what guy gave me a cell phone number you think i'm gonna stop talking shit wrong dude especially when i see you backtracking and then talking shit again and then backtracking these guys are dopey on that team shut the hell up and do your job that's one of the great things about the the patriot dynasty nobody talked Everything was buttoned up. It was me against you. It was us against the world. It wasn't everybody knowing your business or crying about your business or crying about what? Like the AJ Brown thing. The, the guy, the guy acts bipolar. He he acts bipolar. One day he hates the fans and he hates the media. The next day he's on with the media. That's bipolar. I mean, it's a bipolar mentality. A.J. Owens is bipolar. He has to be. Who thinks like that? Who, who, who actually thinks and talks like that? This guy's bipolar. Hey, man, I hate these guys. <laughs> Dead Slay's doing the same shit. Hey, man, 
okay? Hey, you know, the, the Philly fans are toxic. They boo us at even at the link. Then all of a sudden, everybody's starting to give them shit about it, or the actual Eagle fans are giving them shit about it. What happens? It turns around, hey, you know, I don't got nothing. <laughs> like, that's bipolar behavior. Eh, senor, I take the apology back. A.J. Owens and no play slay. As, hey, as the bipolar world turns in Philly at Novacare. Holy cow, are these guys weirdos? <laughs> I mean it. Complete weirdos. And you got people in here defending Darius Slay, attacking me. And they're calling you toxic. But he could, like, look at, look at Senor or some of these other guys. You know what some of you guys are saying? You're mad at me for someone calling you toxic. I mean, you're bipolar. What are you mad at me for? I don't call you ever toxic. I think you what do I say about the Eagle fan base? It's the best fan base in the country. You've never heard me talk shit on you. There's a portion of you that will defend a take like that when someone calls you toxic. And then you'll take a shot at me for pointing that out. Take my meds. I think I'm as consistent as you could possibly be when it comes to my mentality. I don't change for anybody. <laughs> As Xander, I try to change. I just can't. Isn't it crazy? I want to change. I want to be soft like some of you guys. Holding victory parades in the afternoon on a radio station. Isn't that great? Let's give this guy a round of applause. Mr. Bipolar. Like, shit, dude. I'm not giving anybody like that a round of applause because he called my radio show and told me what a weirdo he is. <laughs> Does he? Hey, Eddie, good one. Does he even know what the word toxic means? How do you take that? Oh, I got a topic for him, too. I got a topic for him. We're going to do that here in a minute. Jason goes, I don't want soft-ass dudes on my team. They bring everyone down. Okay, absolutely, Jason. You don't want people having schizophrenic-type behavior like that, that you don't know what you get. You, you, you know what I'm talking about, Jace? You know what it is, Jace? You know, sometimes you walk into work, there's one guy, and one day he's, like, really hot and he's great. The next day, he's the biggest asshole on the planet. You don't know if you can approach him or not. I hate those people. I, I hate those people. I like people when you walk up to them, they're the same dude every day. You know why? That shows me a confidence in the person that he's not going to take his shit out on you. But see, guys like Slay and A.J. Owens, they take their shit out on you. I think you've got a really huge problem in your locker room. And I'm going to help you fix it. I'm going to help you fix it. I'm going to do that here in a second. 
Relative goes, Slade just finished as part of possibly the worst defense in Eagle history. Isn't that? Hey, right. Who applauds that? Get this, Relative. He doesn't want you to boo him because he sucked out loud as he, he – wait, he didn't suck, according to him. That was the unit. He didn't. So if he gets booed, he's offended by you, even though it's a football team. Damn, guy. Should have been a badminton player or a bowler. If you want to have, you know, do things yourself. But you're on a football team. You sucked as a unit. Okay, I'm going to show you again the problem in your locker room. See, this is more about, this is going to be a classroom today and a, a conversation about your locker room. The draft, talking about some dude from Eagle Creek University or Slippery Rock in the sixth round, we'll get there as we get closer to the draft, okay? But I'm not talking micro sports talk here today. We're going to talk more about your culture and your building. How about this here? How many people are glad that Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, some of the veteran guys supported Nick Sirianni and have been in support of Nick Sirianni so far this offseason. You guys, you guys like that? You guys think that speaks that the locker room is in better shape than what maybe the media and guys like me think? You think that's a good you think that's a good thing? Okay, you think that's okay? Anthony says no. Kevin Byard being cut? I mean, did we not know that was not happening? Tell me something that we didn't know. Probably. Eagles can't handle criticism, bottom line. You would be shocked on what an understatement that is, Anthony, that the Eagle organization can't take criticism. You, that's the biggest understatement of the year. You can't even criticize them if they make a bad sandwich over at their mess hall there at Novacare, or they'll jump someone's ass. They're very sensitive. Very sensitive. They can't take constructive criticism because you know why? They can't take self-evaluation. you got a librarian general manager telling you that Nolan Smith showed promise. That's a bull-faced lie. He never showed a promise anywhere last year at any time. One play's not promise. Let me tell you a little bit about what my take is. Even Jason Kelsey, I'm going to throw into the fire here. So in the offseason, right, Xander? Check it out. So in the offseason, they're telling you how good a coach Nick is. And they're telling you what a good guy he is in the locker room in the offseason. Where, where the fuck were you in Tampa? Fighting for your coach. 
where were you in the last giant game fighting for your coach? Where were you in Seattle fighting for your coach if you loved him? Where were you at the back end of that train wreck with Dallas and San Francisco if you loved him? The shit you're saying now is voided. I don't care that you're telling me that you love him in the offseason. If you loved him so much, why didn't you play hard for him when it mattered? So when the media people are like, isn't it great that all the veteran guys are coming to Nick's defense? I think it's hollow. I actually think it means nothing. Telling me in the offseason how good he is, and you went one and seven down the stretch, and you weren't fighting for your coach, but you're trying to sit here and tell me that you loved the guy, but you didn't play for the guy. It contradicts itself. Players that love their coach fight for their coach when it matters, not when it doesn't matter. It's a joke. I'd rather have you say nothing than tell me that you love Nick in the offseason. Jason Kelsey, I think he's a great coach. Dude, no, you don't. Because if you did, your offense would have played better. You wouldn't have had those illegal procedure penalties twice in a row in a ball game, losing your poise a couple times out there. Your run offense getting killed at the end of the year and fighting. Jason Kelsey's lying. He's defending a guy that you should have defended when you were playing during the season, not in the offseason. Am I wrong? Those comments are full of shit. Hey. I'm not going to quantify this take by saying Kelsey's a phenomenal guy, but defending a coach who completely fell apart and you didn't play hard for him contradicts you defending him. I mean, you can't validate it. Hey, Nick's a great coach. How's he a great coach when you were one and seven? How's he a great coach? Help, no, no, help me understand that take. Help me. And by the way, Fletcher, Brandon, all these guys, all defending Nick. Why didn't you play hard for him? So anytime a player says that Sirianni is a really good coach in the offseason, they're lying. He didn't play hard for him. Those are the facts. That's not really a take. 
or that's not an opinion. That's not an assumption. Dirty D, that's not an assumption. Dirty D, that's not an assumption. Here's what's happened. Veteran players have told us in the offseason, giving Nick Sirianni support. They went 1-7 and seven down the stretch, and it looked like in games they quit. If they loved the guy so much, why did they play harder for him? Those are facts. Those are facts. That's not an opinion. Those are facts. It's not really even a take. Like I said, it's you didn't play hard. But hey, I love Nick. You love Nick so much. You got crushed by a team that couldn't score 10 points the week before. And you couldn't score 10 points against the Bucs in a playoff game. Where were you? You couldn't even fight for your coach that you love in Tampa. And I'm supposed to sit here and believe that he's a good coach and you guys fought for him. I'm really not taking a shot at Nick. I'm taking a shot at the players here bullshitting you. I mean, look, guys, some of this shit here can 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 be very harsh to listen to. But am I wrong? Did you see that when 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 Ray Lewis was ripping them on the air? When they were ripping, and he was ripping the way they were running to the ball. So let me get this right. See a guy like LJ here? LJ is comfortable with people lying. And on top of that, Darius Slay calling you toxic and he's cool with it. And if the players loved him so much when they have played harder, he has a problem with that. That's part of the problem of being soft. Because... I don't want to hear it after the fact. I want you to play hard for me when it matters. Not after the fact. They didn't play hard for him. Okay. You got a culture problem in your locker. Chris says nobody talks bad about their company publicly. Really? So if there's a problem inside your, if there's, okay, you're right. Well, don't say anything when it's obvious it's not going well. You don't have to lie. So according to Chris, telling lies is better. They're not saying anything at all. Okay? I got it. I got it. Damn. 
Some of you guys are just as bad as A.J. Owens. In no place like, you guys cry like, mm. holy cow, unbelievable. I've never seen softer people in my life. Some of you, not all of you. And my opinion on some of you will not change because of how you talk and how you handle yourself. Okay? And how you talk about defending people who call you horrible fans. You got a player in the Eagles calling you horrible fans. You're mad at me for that. Nick should be an assistant coach. That's it. I don't want him as a head coach or play caller. Just keep the team spirits up. He's not mature enough for the job, D. He's he's not. No, Carton is, Barb. I've been waiting for Sims. I'm trying to get Phil on. He's doing a ton of podcasts. I don't want to keep bugging him. So I've been working. I've been trying to get him on. He almost came on yesterday. I'm working on him, so just can't got to be patient. Okay? Got to be patient. Big play slay all day, those fans complaining or cowboy. Oh, yeah, that's right. No, no, no. A-Track, he called you toxic. He did. He did. I don't care what fans in a... In a chat room, say, per se, he said it. He said it. Okay? How in the world, as a fan base, as the Philadelphia Eagles, okay? Accept that kind of shit. Mm. You know, there's only one way to save this. Do you know what that is? I talked to Jimmy last night. How do you think Nick can save this? I don't know he has the power to try to save it, though. How can Nick save this? Is there a way, Pete said? I think there is. Okay? Seal says, entertainer to stir up shit, not necessary. Free agency cap issues. I've already gone over that bullshit. Paul, what do you want to talk to? Two, it's Paul, seriously. Give me a break. Okay? Give me a break. How many times are you going to break the wide receiving position down in the draft? Ten. Give me a break, kid. Leave it to big sales. Been doing it for 30 years. We're good. I kind of know how to get around the room a bit. Okay? Sales moving up for Dallas Turner. I like the player. Okay? 
Um, AJ is just on Sills' shit list. He feels AJ was talking about him on WIP. You're out of your mind. Okay? I don't think that at all. Uh, absolutely. I, and I could care less if he was. I, You know what? There was a guy. Hey, what, what Xander, what's the name of that website? I want to read you this. And are you, I mean, I'm going to tell you what people, hey, if I gave a shit about what everybody said, Xander, type in there, man. What's the name of this website? This guy's got about 60,000 uh, followers on his uh, Twitter page. What's the name of this thing that he has here? Honest NFL. Here it is. This is what this guy wrote about me. I'm assuming that this was just a couple hours. Ago. Yeah, it was yesterday, I think. And I, I, I have no idea who he is. I have absolutely no idea who this guy is. And this, is, this guy wrote this about me because all the people that remember something too. When you have about two or 300 people in a chat room, that's less than 1% of the total viewing audience of a show. Always remember that. We're doing very well. Very happy with where we are in the offseason. Xander says it all. We're doing very well. Tom, very good. So is that DL from Florida State. I like him too. Um, and by the way, I don't have to defend it. I got to find this thing. This guy was classic. I've never met him. I've never heard it. I like, hey, Prince, I like Peyton Willis too. Peyton, uh, Peyton Wilson, the kid from NC State. I do like him. I think he's, um, I, I like him a lot. I got to find this thing here. This guy wrote this uh, Twitter about me. And he was, he, I mean, I guess you, here it is. I would greatly appreciate. I would greatly appreciate it if people stop messaging me, asking me and my thoughts on whatever Dan Cilio decided to blow out of his ass that day. It is literally impossible for me to give any less of a shit. This is quite a, hey, I won't lie. That's quite a beatitude there. I mean, look at this guy. I mean, I mean, he's, this guy right here is like. It literally possible for me to give a shit any less of what he says. And I would recommend seriously to others the same. So please stop bothering me about a guy who's a piece of shit. Um, this has got to be dumb. This has got to be Dumowitz's friend. If you could please, I would greatly appreciate. I would greatly appreciate if you would. Oh, here, too. To be fair, I should point out that I actually don't hold any of this against Dan. Calls me Dan like he knows me. He's doing what he's always done and more power to him for getting people to pay him that's Xander. <laughs> Xander said he almost said something. <laughs> I do. However, 
question those who enable him when he's blatantly, obviously, the biggest blowhard in sports talk radio history. All written by a guy I've never met, talked to, seen. You could put him in a police lineup and I wouldn't know who he was. Seriously, you could have a toe tag on him and I wouldn't know who he was. No idea. <laughs> no idea. He's got about 60,000 followers. That's not too bad, man, for his Twitter account. It's pretty good. It's more to mine. I just like, people talk about me like that. I laugh at it. So if if AJ Owens wants to go on a radio station and he wants to cry and moan and have his bipolar behavior psychoanalyzed by an afternoon host that probably didn't graduate college, hey, I did. Did he? Yeah, at least I got a degree. Isn't that crazy? I got a college degree. I wonder how many talk show hosts have college degrees. I have one. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) All you do is drag the Eagles. What the F? Yeah, this guy here, man. This guy's part of the crying game. Hey, that guy's part of the crying game. Are you talking shit on Darius No Play Slay? Because he, hey, get this there, Marcus. Slay called you a toxic and awful fan base. I dragged the Eagles down. But your corner, who you're paying $14 million to, who had a shit year last year, said that you're a horrible fan base. But I'm a bad guy. The bad guy. I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy. Woo! Now you get mad at me for a guy calling you a shitty fan base. (laughs) This is... Hey! Hey, man. Hey! (laughs) Pete, who said that? The you... Hey, Pickin. The you's a private school? Yeah, I know. The only people they had in there on the football team that they hated was us. You crazy? They never let guys like us at the University of Miami ever again. People from Overtown, Liberty City, broken homes. Jimmy got these guys that had awful problems. Ask yourself, have they ever been better since? No. You know why? They like recruiting in the suburbs now. They got them suburb kids now going to mama. (laughs) They don't get the hardcore kids any longer who have no back door, no way out. You're either in prison, the army, or you're dead. Those are the guys I went to school with. See, we don't have that shit any longer. And that's why they're not undefeated winning national titles. Because now they get those suburban guys. Afraid to go into the hood or into a place where there's a broken family. To get a kid out of there to give them an opportunity. That's right. They They don't recruit like that anymore. Got to have 3.8 on your SATs. (laughs) Shit. I didn't go to Miami actually to get a degree. And plus my degree folded when I left. Put it in my wallet.
It's a new era, Sills. Yeah, and that's why Miami sucks. A degree in hateology. <laughs> you mean reality. No, no, no. Reality. Hey, Mike, Darius Slay says you're a horrible Eagle fan. That's what I'm going to start doing from now on. Degree in bikinis. That would be a, a fair assessment of the University of Miami. Very fine talent, not only on the field. I would, I would, I would, I would help you there with that one. Okay. Just broken families in the burbs too, buddy. Yeah, well, they ain't recruiting the right ones then. I like a kid with no option. I like guys who, you walk into a guy like Eddie Brown's house. When you're recruiting him, he's got dirt on the floor, pot belly stove, grass on the roof. He gets drafted 10th by the Bengals, buys his mom a $650,000 house, and lives happily ever after because he fulfilled his dream and his destiny. Those are guys I want to play with. Or we're dead. No options. There's only one way to fix your Eagle locker room. Guys have any ideas? I'm going to tell you how to fix this thing. How do you fix it? Guys have an idea? How'd you go about this? How would you fix this? How would, how would you fix the culture that I think is broken in Philly? Bring back Brian Dawkins? Oh, hey, only on an old-timers night. Fire Howie? No. Dang. Let's do something here. Okay. Would you do this? This is where Big Sills goes now. Would you do this? Move off Slay or Redick to send a message to the locker room. And you're sending a message that there's a culture change if you moved off of one of those two guys. Would it be a message that nothing's a given any longer in that locker room? And now, listen, I get it. Significant cap hit. I get it. But isn't it more important right now about sending a message to instead of staying status quo? Sirianni can't save his job right now unless there's a culture change in the locker room. He can't. Maybe the Eagles don't want him to. I think that's an even better question. How many people believe the Eagles want him back next year even? Or he's just a stopgap guy for more to see how he does. Because that's what I think he is. Kellen Moore is the head coach in waiting. I wonder if Nick knows that. He has to know that. Okay? Can there be a culture change where the goofball's still at head coach? You start firing people, 
You start firing players. Players, that's going to get people's attention. See, they fired coaches, right? They haven't really fired any players. Kevin, Kevin Bard, he was he was a mercenary anyway. I'm talking about one of these significant guys that Howie made a deal with. This is what Howie doesn't do. If Howie wants to send a message, like Bill Belichick did when he got rid of players like Richard Seymour, look at what look at what Belichick did. He got rid of Hall of Famers and Randy Moss and Richard Seymour, and it made everyone in the locker room in New England go, nobody is safe in that locker room. When he moved off of Darrell Reed, do you understand that Bill Belichick moved off of, and even Stefan Gilmore, who was the defensive player of the year, he moved to Carolina. That Belichick used to send messages by sending those players. And everyone left behind would be like this. Damn. I'll tell you a little story what Coach Johnson said that Jerry Jones and he did when he got in there. I think this is like the anniversary, too, of Jerry uh, buying the Cowboys this year, going into this offseason here. You know what the big philosophy was when they took over and they still had Tex Ram? They had Tom Landry and Gil Brandt in the building. You know what the mentality was? Jerry Jones and Jimmy said this, we're firing everybody. People work in the offices, secretaries, equipment managers, cafeteria. Everybody got fired. And they kept 10 people. And I said, why'd you keep 10 people? He goes, those people will be so grateful to keep their jobs. They'll run through walls for you. Those 10 people are still there. It's still there. That's how you change the culture in the building. Shake it up. Instead, what you got in there is you got Howie protecting his trades and draft picks, not holding anybody accountable, saying stupid shit like Nolan Smith showed promise last year. Who in their right mind would believe that? No one. And why would you say it? Because why? You can. It sends a message to your locker room. You have no accountability in the room if you don't pull your weight. There's no accountability. Telling me how great Nick Sirianni is in the offseason when you got your ass drug like you were looking for a dead body in a lake the last eight games and trying to convince me that Nick's a good coach. It's stupid. It, it, it all comes off not genuine. Okay? Make a statement. Do something that sends a message to the rest of the unit. Fire Slay's ass. Fire Bradbury. I don't care, but make a statement. Get rid of a guy. Dude, let me tell you something. You think Jimmy Johnson getting rid of Herschel Walker? Let me tell you what that did. When Coach Johnson got rid of Herschel Walker, he was coming off of 15. How about this? Walker had a 1,500 rushing yard year, 800 yards receiving. He was one of the top players in the league. Jimmy goes on a run and goes from trading his ass. Everyone on the run goes, damn, man, he's our best player. Jimmy goes, and? We need to build a team here. This ain't about one guy. 
Plus, it sends a message to the rest of the locker room. You better not in any way think that your job is safe. And that included Aikman. Nobody ever thought their job was safe in that building, no matter how much money you made, no matter where you were drafted, because Jimmy held all the strings. It had no bearing on anything. You just need you need to do something to help your locker room. You need to do something to change that stupid man. You got a you don't have a very good culture. You know, he's get this. How he said that he had we believe we have a good culture. Do you know what that is coming in where it's coming from? He believes he has a good culture in his analytics department and in his scouting department. How in the world can you have a good and how in the world can you have a good culture in your locker room when you just fired your coordinators? And Hertz, hey, how many coordinators has Hertz had now since he's been in uh, Philly? What's he going on now? Let's see, Steichen. Wait, no, Sirianni, Steichen, Brian Johnson, and now Kellen Moore. This is his fourth coordinator. In three years of starting, is that right? So Jalen Hurts has had four coordinators in three years of starting. That's a culture? What kind of culture is that? Sirianni was the first. Then he got fired for going two and five. Steichen took over. That's the second coordinator. Brian Johnson's the third. Then you got another one now, Kellen Moore. That's four and three years of starting. That's a culture? What's he talking? Again, there's your librarian general manager talking shit and not making sense. That's not an opinion. How would you like to have four bosses in three years telling you to do four different things every year? You're never going to be productive. But he thinks they have a good culture. No. What he meant to say was, I believe we have a good process. See, Howie doesn't know the difference between culture and process. That's why nothing's changing offensively or defensively. Everything's the same. They just hired more experience to do what they want to do. You know, the more I cover your team, the more it's easy to follow their behavior. Once you know who they are, they don't tell the truth. You're not going to pull the wool over my eyes and tell me in the offseason how great you are and you got the shit kicked out of you at the end of the year and nobody fought for him. And Nick's a great coach. You should, what a great guy to be around. Yeah, I really looked at at the end of the year there when you guys fell apart and there were no answers for anything whatsoever. You absolutely just dropped it. It's a process. That's right. Hollywood, it's a process. They believe in their scouting department. I don't know how. I believe, you know what? I think their pro personnel side is good. Okay. 
LJ goes, were they supposed to stop Steichen from getting hired as a head coach? Absolutely not. But I'll tell you what they're going to do because they know Nick's not a good head coach. And they, and I, 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 how about this, LJ? I'll ask you a question and you tell me. And we, we kind of broached this a couple days ago. Okay. I'll ask you this again. Um, a tape show. Slate called you a horrible fan base yesterday. I missed that, senor. Senor, if you don't like it, you don't have to be here. No one's holding a gun to your head. That's for all of you that talk like that. Where's tone? Where's that? You don't have to be here. You you don't. You know, we you, you come here because we want you to, but you don't have to be here. Senor, I want you here, but you don't have to be here. Just want new content? Well, let's see. You your 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 corner called you an asshole fan base. That was yesterday. And Slay and Reddick, and I'm trying to make a comment. I've never brought up Fire Slay or Reddick or move on from both of them to send a message. I've never spoken of that. What are you talking about? I've never had a topic with these two. We've never spoken of this. Nothing. What are you talking about? What you're hearing is, is that you don't like to hear what's going on with your football team and your cornerback calling you a horrible fan base back at Nick back at Nick because hey, by the way, that's a good point. Senor, I'm going to be on Nick's ass all year until he gets fired. You bet. I'm not getting off that guy until he's fired. He's unbecoming of a head coach. You bet. And if that takes every day, I'm going to do it. He's unbecoming of a head coach in the National Football League. Everyone knows it. And if I have to say it, 365 days for the year, I will. Nick Sirianni should be fired. Nick Sirianni should not be your head coach. If Nick Sirianni's the head coach on this football team, you will never win again a Super Bowl. If he's not on this team, you have a shot. Deal with it. I am not getting off that. And if you don't like that, tough shit. How about this? LJ brings a great point up, though. Brings a great point up. Were they supposed to stop Shane Steichen from getting a job in Indianapolis? No. Okay, LJ, if Kellen Moore turns Hurts back into a champion player, if 
Jalen looks great. The team looks awesome. Do you think they're going to let him walk out of the building or will they move on from Nick? What do you think they'll do? Because then guess what that'll be? That'll be your fifth coordinator in four years of starting. You think they're going to let Kellen Moore walk out? Since LJ doesn't want to answer it, rest of you can. I'll answer it too. They're not letting that guy walk out because you know what the Eagles covet? The Eagles are coveting a head coach who's a play caller so they don't have to make that they so they don't have to make that decision again when it comes to hiring a coordinator. The problem that you have in Philly right now is that like Chris Long is Chris Long Chris Long is the first one that actually brought this up. That Sirianni's Sirianni's job life in Philly was already on an egg timer because he's not a play caller anymore. Every NFL team covets a play calling head coach. You know what you got in Washington now? You got two former head football coaches that are play callers. Cliff Kingsbury. And on the other side, you've got Dan Quinn. I think they did that by design. You, in theory, have two head football coaches. One taking care of the offensive side and the other guy taking care of the defensive side. That's by design. It's by Dan Quinn's going to have very little say in the offense. But, But see what you have in Philly? You got a head coach who has no responsibility. That's a remedy for disaster. And and then the comparisons that are made. Remember something, Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh, these guys have been grandfathered in with spectacular general managers and organizations. The Ravens and the Steelers are the gold standard in player personnel decisions head coaching decisions, assistant coaching decisions. They're the gold standard. The Eagles are not. You're not good at college drafting. You're not consistent on picking. Seriously, man, you're, you're, you're bipolar in, as an organization, even in that aspect. You, know, you're, you, you need to stabilize your organization a little. You're either here or you're here and these swings you have are so dramatic so dramatic McVay is a play caller he's a total play caller now they got a defensive guy in there that's by design you don't think Sean McVay works with the defense at all I know for a fact he doesn't. Absolutely not. You're not going to, hey. Here. K- 
Kellen Moore is in a audition right now to be the next head football coach of the Eagles. And Nick knows it. He's holding his seat warm and he's holding his headphones warm. Okay? Because if he wins, he's not getting replaced. He interviewed for the head coaching job the same year Nick did. They like him already. They were thinking of naming him head coach. And by the way, this has nothing to do with playoff appearances and win percentages. Because the Eagles don't value their coach like that. The people that they've hired, they don't value that. They think their process, it's not a culture. It's a process. Okay? It's a process that they believe. Look, look at what they said. I got to do better at corner. It's the first time I heard him actually say shit like that. That's the first time I've heard him say it. And I've been hammering him on it. Do corner? How about linebacker? How about edge? What's the last edge rusher you drafted that was worth the shit? Josh Sweat? Okay. Then who? Nolan Smith? Derek Barnett? Help me out here. They can't draft defense. They plug holes on defense. Okay? Why is all your energy spent on Nick and Howie? Well, Nick and Howie have to write this ship or they're both gone. Are you under the impression? So you're okay with the way the season ended and how the organization looked, how Hertz looked, how everything. I thought you had a higher standard. Excuse me, guys. Holy shit. My God almighty. You're kidding me. You don't have a higher standard. Why are you always comparing everything to Kansas city? Cause they're the champs. Who do you compare yourself to the jets? LJ makes a great point. Sills. No one cares about last year anymore then you shouldn't care about 22 anymore with Hertz. Or 23, right? Is that right? Beating a dead horse? What are you talking about? Beating a dead horse? I'm not beating a dead horse. We're talking about changing a culture that's not healthy. We're talking about a corner who called you assholes. That's not new. I hadn't heard Slate call you Eagle fans assholes. I hadn't heard that. Are you, hey, you, you know what it comes down to? Is that you don't want to hear it. But you come here every day because you know it's true.
Paul goes Tomlin and the Steelers' last playoff win was 2016. How does he keep his job as head coach? Because he's never had a losing season in 17 years. And the Steelers have a benchmark, and he's a Super Bowl-winning coach, Paul. And on top of that, Paul, um, the Steelers aren't gauged like some of you gauge your playoffs, 17 and 17, and think that's good. You see, the Steelers don't look at going to the playoffs as a victory tour like some host on my network and some people in the radio have victory laps on that. They look at Super Bowls. They're gauged on Super Bowls. They're not gauged on playoff wins. That's why. Okay? They got a little higher standard in Pittsburgh. That's why they got six Super Bowls. There's a reason there's six Super Bowls in Pittsburgh. It's not about playoff appearances, playoff wins. It's about Super Bowls. Tomlin was gifted a roster. You see him, Reyes? This guy's winning football games with a dude named Mason Rudolph. He's winning games with a dude named Kenny Pickett. He's winning games with guys I've never heard of. Can you imagine Nick Sirianni having to coach a team with Mason Rudolph as his quarterback and winning and having a winning season? Are you crazy? (laughs) He's winning football games with a guy named Mason Rudolph. And you got your boy Hurts. Hey, by the way, how many wins did the um, Steelers have last year? Did someone tell me? How many wins did the Steelers have? How many wins did they have last year? Steelers have 10 wins. James, nine? I thought the Steelers had 10 wins. No, Steelers aren't good. No. Steelers are 10 and 7. So wait a minute, let me get this right. In the AFC, this you had 11 wins. And a team quarterbacked by Mason Rudolph. You had one more win with all that money you spent in Philly. And let's just take a look at that. Jermaine, name me one guy in the offense that's a big money guy. And that team won 10 games. And you won one more game than Mason Rudolph. Did they even have a thousand yard receiver? Did Najee go over a thousand? I mean, you had two 1,000-yard receivers, one guy making $25 million, Mr. Bipolar, making all that money. Dude, they play in the AFC North. Do you understand? 
Did Pickens have a thousand? Okay. George Pickens, who they drafted in the second round out of Georgia, had a thousand yards. Wow. Great. Najee had a thousand. And Mason Rudolph. And you had one more win than the Steelers. And I think the Steelers suck. Damn. Hey, you got your money's worth. All that sign of bonus money going to your quarterback and all that money going to A.J. Owens and your over your overpaid old line who got shut out in the second half of the season, who's in the offseason celebrating Nick Sirianni. Like, who was the other wideout on the other side of Pickens? Does anyone know? They got the hey Joey Joey Porter from Penn State. What pick was he? I'm just curious. Where did the Steelers take Joey Porter? What pick was he? Deontay Johnson. Okay. What 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 round did um, Joey Porter Jr. go? Second round, first pick. (laughs) And what did you take, Nolan Smith? I'm just curious. 31st pick? Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's my point. Five-star, what's your point? Well, Joey Porter Jr., Pittsburgh developing and player development and drafting versus you. Nolan Smith, who Howie said had a great playoff game against the Bucs. <laughs> hey, come on, man. This thing's not really – It's hey, I've, I'm getting – hey, I'm, I'm with you now, senor. I'm getting a little bit too aggravated with it now. Hey, what do you call them, guys? Fact checkers? Hey, hey, hey Xander, what's the newspaper? Is it the – Washington Post that gives the Pinocchios out. Here's what we're going to start doing. We're going to start giving out Pinocchios when it comes to these guys lying to you. How he gets three Pinocchios for Nolan Smith. He gets three Pinocchios. (laughs) Holy shit. Holy cow. He gets three Pinocchios. Let's see what else does he get. He gets three Pinocchios for telling me that he um, has faith in in Nick. There's three Pinocchios. Let's see. Kelsey gets one Pinocchio because I have respect for him. Saying that, you know, we love him. We work hard for him. So he gets one Pinocchio. Slay gets five Pinocchios. A.J. Brown gets a hundred. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he gets about 100 Pinocchios. Holy cow. 32 to 9, 10 and 1. <laughs> Holy cow. Let me ask you, man. Why do you come on here and talk about the Eagles? Where do you come from? Okay, are you even from Philly? 
does it matter? How about this, Richard? You're an outsider. You ever played ball before? Well, you sit in the stands with your pom-poms rooting on your team. I've been in the arena. Have you? So what? (laughs) Richard, you were called today an asshole fan base. Who cares? All right. I thought that mattered back then. He he didn't he didn't say that. Oh no, he didn't. I posted it on my Twitter page at Dan Cilio Show. Who are you? That's what they've been saying for years. Oh my God! Can't be. Wait till Carton comes on. Oh, four thirty. Craig Carton. Ooh. Can Craig Carton, big sales together at 4.30. Angelo's coming on Monday, too, because he goes, sales, I'm here for you, brother. So Angelo's on Monday, too. Sales, I'm hearing a lot of great things about you. I'm going to give you merit badges. Okay. How he justified trading for Golden Tate for him catching a TD in the playoffs, he said. That's why we gave a third-round pick for him. Same goes for Nolan. <laughs> he's He's got to make himself look good. That guy, man. Give me a break, dude. Yeah, okay. No, 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 no. No, no. Who are you? Bring back Gardner Johnson. Slay rips Eagle fans. Well, one thing I do want to say about the draft. You see how we with the binoculars? All show. What are you, what are you looking at? Guy running a 40? Shuttle drill? Doing things you'll never do in your entire career again. You know, everything that these guys do at the combines this week, well, they'll never run a 40 again. They'll never run a shuttle drill again. They'll never run other run bags. But 95% of the stuff that they're doing at the combines, they'll never do again in their entire NFL career if they're lucky enough to be drafted and make it. Howie's binoculars. What's he looking at? You know the most important thing about the combines and what they what is what's the most important thing about the combines? It's the interview. It's not a guy running a 40. But Howie takes that into consideration. He does. Slash Jordan Davis. And Xander knows this for a fact because when we were talking, I wanted the kid that the Jags drafted who had a great year, that kid Floyd or Lloyd, okay, from Utah. And I wanted the corner 
from Washington to be on the Eagles. No. And, and then there was a part of me that liked the kid Hamilton from Notre Dame that Baltimore took. I said, you know, that could be something that could work in Philly. No. Not them drafting a safety in the first round. He'd never do that. That's a M M G. I was a suspect of that too. The, the Pac-12 with McDuffie. And he was, and, and Xander brought a great point up. He was a little, he's not the biggest dude. He's not the biggest dude. Yeah, you guys could have had Hamilton because I kept going like this. Man, Hamilton, I like that kid. Um, I like the kid from Utah. Those are two dudes that I kind of dug. By the way, I also said, remember I told you, who was my favorite player in the draft last year? Devin Witherspoon was my favorite player in the draft. He's my favorite player in the draft. He's, I mean, him and Will Anderson. I didn't think he had a shot at Anderson because, but I didn't think Houston would trade up to do that. I thought he would be the one of the one or two players taken. I told you Anderson was going to be a game-changing player, and he was. Defensive rookie of the year. Okay? Hey, Twiz, what do I have to do with Jordan Davis? What do I have to do with that? I'm not part of the story. He's the one that's a fat body. Chris, what, what's my failures have anything to do with your fat body? I'll tell you what, Chris. There's a lot of things and the reasons why I didn't succeed in the NFL. His is because he can't push himself away from the table. What's more of a crime? You can't put the cheesesteak down. That's why you'll fail. Because you can't put the cheesesteak down. Or you you can't drive by, or you can't drive by a White Castle with stop without stopping. Damn, there's a White Castle. Shit. It's a kryptonite. White Castle. Shit. Like a strip club to that guy. <laughs> like a strip club. Man, look, there's White Castles. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Well, yeah, well, at least when Barrett ate the White Castles, he played 12 years. Barrett can eat all the White Castles he wants. He's a 12-year veteran with a Super Bowl ring. Okay? So Barrett can eat White Castles. See, if you're good and you perform, you get the luxuries of having a little indulgence on yourself. But when you're not good and the expectations are high and you haven't lived up to them, you don't have that latitude. You see? 
10 pack of sliders, baby. <laughs> 10 pack of sliders. I got to tell you guys this before we take a timeout, because I think I got to take a timeout, don't I, Xander? Shit, man, I've been just barking here. Don't forget, Craig Carton will be with us at 4.30. Um, so Alonzo Highsmith's in Indianapolis, and so is Dan Morgan. They ran into Caleb Williams. How tall do you think they think he is? Right? How tall do you think they think Caleb Williams is? Highsmith said he walked by him, and he was floored. He, he 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 was absolutely floored. How 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 tall do you think he is? Highsmith and yeah, hey, hey, I'm awake, are you? That's exactly what Alonzo said. If that guy is 5'11, I'll be shocked. But Breed, Dan Morgan thinks he's 5'10 and a half. He ain't no six feet. No way. He's six feet. No way. So you're going to draft, hey, you're going to draft a 5'10 quarterback in Chicago. Are you really going to do that? A 5'10 quarterback in Chicago. Chris goes, why isn't Caleb throwing? Here's one thing, Chris. I don't have a problem with him not showing his medicals at the combines. I don't have a problem with him not throwing. Here's why. The teams will start dissecting it in a way, and it'll be negative. He wants to probably throw at USC. Friendly environment, throwing to his wideouts, throwing to his guy. He wants home field advantage. He ain't no 6-1. And there's no problem with that. Why in the world would I trust NFL doctors? Why would I trust them? And you see, you know what they'll, you know, you know what their spin's gonna be? Is he hiding an injury? How would you say that? How do you, because he doesn't want to show you his medicals? You know what he's also telling you? Why wouldn't he not want to show his medicals? What why would he not want to show his medicals? At the combines. It's very simple. Caleb Williams. Xander, I'm not, I haven't looked at it yet. Xander's going to, he's got it, I bet. Xander goes, I met him at the Maxwell's last year. He's not very tall. Pete, you're almost on it. I don't think he wants to play in Chicago. So if I'm not going to show you my medicals. Until I don't want to be the first pick if I'm Jaden Daniels. If I'm LSU Jaden Daniels, I don't want to go to Chicago. Okay? I don't want to go to Chicago as a quarterback. Why would I want to go there? What? To be another quarterback? To die in the vine there? Why would I go to Chicago? Caleb's right. Hey, I'm not. I don't want to play in Chicago. So you know what you do? You don't throw for him, and you don't show him your medicals, and you could do it without being a dick. You just don't do it to all of them. And Chicago has got the first pick, dude. You don't think Cliff Kingsbury already knows what his medicals are and how he throws the ball? 
I think he's going to land in Washington. I think Chicago's moving off that. They're going to move down to two. And I think they're going to take the, the, the two best players in this draft, from what I'm being told, are Marvin Harrison Jr. and Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia. Those are the two best players. There's a couple of linemen in there that look like they're pretty good. But those are the two impactful players. The rest of them, I look at this quarterback class and go, Bo Nix? I mean, the guy's like 35 years old already. So think about this if you draft Bo Nix. What's how many? How old is he? 25? So if you draft him in three years, he's almost 30. He's 28 years old. What's this guy got? Two contracts? Two and a half? I mean, your window with him is not that wide open. I mean, he's a 25-year-old rookie. He might be 26. He spent three and a half years at Auburn. He spent, it looked like, another three at Oregon. I don't know. I would look at it like this. Well, shit, kid, you better be good. You're, 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 you're like a senior citizen in college football. You better throw the ball well. And then the kid, Michael Penix, a lot of people not saying anything about him because of his throwing motion. I don't know. I look, Drake May, I look at this class and go, very underwhelming. I don't see it. I didn't see it last year. Stroud shocked me. I won't lie. Okay? Completely wrong on Stroud. The rest of them, I wasn't. Bo Callahan. I think Penix is a second rounder too. I thought the, I thought Michigan crushed him. And then Chris, am I right when Chris, if you watched the national championship game, did you see him not ducking? I thought he was ducking from people taking hits on him. Like he was ducking and flinching. Well shit, dude, you get in the NFC East. You better, hey, you better have some baguettes in that pocket, kid, or you're going to get the hell kicked out of you. That's one thing you got to have, man. You got to have Stundines back there in that pocket, man. That's what makes a great quarterback. Dude, I'm telling you, I think the kid Jaden Daniels is probably the best prospect at the quarterback position. And if I'm him, let Caleb, let Caleb Williams go to Chicago. He'll die there. I'll tell you this. I'll make a. I'll make a prediction. I think Justin Fields will have a better pro career than Jay than Caleb Williams. You're trying to tell me you think that kid looks like Patrick Mahomes, and he's got Patrick Mahomes tendencies. When I saw him not beat one team that mattered, he couldn't beat anybody, and he doesn't have the physical size of Josh Allen. It's one thing for Josh Allen to play at Wyoming and not beat anybody because he didn't play with anybody. It's another thing when you're at Southern Cal and you can't beat anybody. And you're supposedly has a coach that was supposed to be your head coach, Lincoln Riley. Good. Hey, two great things that happened. You don't want to hear this? Hey, I'll take Nick Sirianni over Lincoln Riley any day. Uh, any day. I think that guy is the most overrated head football coach in college football. Lincoln Riley's not a good head coach, and he can't recruit. 
He can't. Shit, the best quarterback he's ever had is Hurts, and it's a transfer. Baker Mayfield. Okay. Okay? Name me a quarterback that's a star. Baker Mayfield? Who? <laughs> Xander's like, hey, Sills, you might want to back that one up. Baker just torched us and torched the fighting, fighting, and torched the fighting Eagles for Nick. <laughs> Did you watch Caleb versus Washington? He's a freak. Is that the one when he jumped in the stands and he cried on his mom's shoulder? Then they gave him a bottle of Similac. Was that the game he did that? I forget which game it was where they had to give him like a like a pacifier or something because he was crying in the stands. What game was the one where he was crying in the stands? That was my favorite moment. It was very touching. It was very touching that he, you know, went into the stands and they gave him a pacifier. And he was like, yeah. All right, let me take a timeout. The fighting Phils. The fighting Eagles. Fight for Nick. One and seven. <laughs> Hit the like button. Craig Carton will join us at 4.30. And also, we will have Philly Godfather at 5.30. Keep it here, National Football Show. bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life we believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible while we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one, and we will be heard. Hondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports, and certainly the easiest when you're watching the NBA. And the NBA playoffs are almost here, and you can win money making picks. What are you waiting for? Sign up on underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code WIN. An underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Get ready for the NBA and get ready for the NBA playoffs. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN.
go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Red Sills. Getting closer to free agency and the draft. As I tell you, the only sports league that knows how to use a sports calendar is the NFL. Never boring, never out of touch. The only people that are out of touch are basketball and baseball. Never football, never football. By the way, I was very disappointed to hear that Citizens Bank has shitty hot dogs. Very disappointed. How could you go to a ballpark and you have shitty hot dogs? Man. Crazy, man. That's an automatic red flag for me. So in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at a sports facility, you have a ballpark that has shitty hot dogs? I might want to correct that. You might want to correct that. Okay? You might want to correct that. Damn, man. I was I was very disappointed to hear that. That you guys don't have very good hot dogs at Citizens Bank. How hey, how are the hot dogs at Lincoln? What's the best food item at Lincoln Financial? Bratwurst? Um, sausage? Hamburgers? I love a good ballpark hamburger, too. I'll take a good ballpark hamburger, but I love a hot dog, man. Okay? I do. I love a good hot dog. By the way, don't forget, Craig Carton will join us at 430. Um, and, and, Ricky, thank you, man. Cheesesteak. Che- hey, they serve cheesesteaks at Lincoln? Oh, great. I bet they're awesome there. I bet they are, man. No, nah, man, I, I, I heard somebody on with Bill say that the ballpark at uh, Citizens Bank has shitty hot dogs. And I was like, Oof, I've never heard that before. I'll tell you this. I've had a Dodger dog at Chavez Ravine. Spectacular. Best hot dog. Best hot dog I've ever had in my life at a baseball park is at Dodger Stadium. Dodger dogs are spectacular. Just, okay, fantastic. I like it. All right. Let me throw this at you here. How many people would be open to having Tony Pollard replace DeAndre Swift at running back? Would you be open to Tony Pollard? Hell no. Why? Hell no. Maybe both Pollard and Swift. You're going to pay $14 million for two running backs? Never happened. You're getting one or the other. And I don't know. Does Howie switch gears? And does he pay Swift? We need a big back. You need a blocking back. 
Tony Pollard to Philly. He's pretty good pass catching back. Then again, you really don't throw to your backs all that much. Can he block? Not, no, it's a good point. I think he's a little tick above DeAndre, not the greatest. Okay, I wouldn't say that he's an upgrade at that position either. Um, Pollard giving D, DeMarco Murray vibes. I don't know. You don't want to bring a guy. I can look. I, I'm I'm not spending a ton of money. I'm probably going to go into the draft. When it comes to that, okay, I'm probably going to go into the draft. When it, when it when we're when we're talking about that, okay, when it comes back, so I'm probably going to give me the uh, running back from Texas. I think he's probably going to go high second. I don't know if they'll go there with that. All right, let's move on. How many people believe Howie Roseman is going to give Kobe Dean the first crack at being the Mike linebacker this offseason and heading into September? How many people believe that he's going to be the first guy up and Howie's going to give him the opportunity at Mike? David says for sure. Not dependable. Joshua, me too. I'll tell you why in a second. He will, but it should be Cooper. Breed, you know that since we started talking about the draft a couple weeks ago. Edurin Cooper, the kid from AM, I've been touting on this program for about two and a half weeks now. And now everybody's coming around on it and jumping on board with it. I don't believe he's a second rounder, but they got him in the second round for some reason. Why, I don't know. There must be a metric or something on what someone has on him. There could be a medical because I think that kid's a good football player. Okay? I think he's a good player. There has to be something because he plays like a first-round talent. In my opinion, he plays like a first-round guy. The kid kid Wilson from NC State, those are the two best linebackers. And if you want to put Jeremiah Trotter in there too, you can put that in there as well. Um, But I think Trotter's a little small. I say sign sign a vet and draft a rookie linebacker. Khalid, how much money are you going to spend at that linebacker position then? Because you're going to do something that you haven't done really ever is spend money. Okay. Okay. Uh, LJ says, bro, these hype, it's not a hypothetical. I'm asking you how your general manager behaves. It's not a hypothetical. That's not a hypothetical. If you don't believe LJ, that that guy's not going to get the first opportunity? Were you watching this year when they were actually getting some production out of Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Morrow? As soon as that guy was healthy, they put him in a starting role. It was an absolute abomination that they put him in there. He couldn't last. 
and he sucked. Nicobe Dean had no right starting an NFL football game last year. Had no right, but they started him. You guys in the offseason, see, the problem that you have, some of you in here, is I kept telling you the entire offseason that that guy does not deserve an opportunity to start in the National Football League. But you thought because he was a molecular engineer and this guy was given the Pulitzer Prize or he was given like the Nobel Peace Prize for some sort of like rocket fuel, that this guy was a savant and he was just going to step in there because he's smart. Dumb shit. I'm like, that doesn't matter. I don't care how smart he is. He's football smart. He wasn't. And, and, And again... This is not I'm going by the way your general manager is talking in the offseason here about his draft picks. Are you not listening to him? He thinks Nolan Smith was great in the playoff game yesterday against the Bucks. Why wouldn't you think he's going to give Nicobe Dean the crack, the first crack at starting at Mike? Where are you That's why he's not qualified. Howie Roseman the NFL's librarian is not qualified to pick college personnel. Oh, let me take that back. Howie Roseman is not qualified, the NFL's librarian, to pick defensive personnel from the college ranks. He's not. He's not qualified. He has no talent. On picking college talent. On defense in the draft. His record proves this. It's not fire Howie. It's redefine his role, Howie. Big Sills, I'm a FedEx driver. Enrique, that's so dope, dog. Thank you, man. Blue Collar America, that's what we are here too, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. Hey, Enrique, thank you, brother. I can't chat all day, but I listen to you all day. I hear you and respect your take because you're objective, and I agree with all your, your, your reason. Hey, Enrique, let me say this to you, man. You got a great fan base. Don't ever let anybody call you an asshole because you guys have one of the greatest fan bases of all time. And some rent-a-cop player like Darius Slay, and some, you talk about an outsider, some guy coming in and just being a rent a corner, calling you an asshole and your fan base an asshole, dog. It's unbecoming, man. Dude, I don't care. You talk shit to me. Talking shit to the fans that show up every day, hard earned money. Oh, I love the team their entire lives, their father's father, father, all the family members. And you call that fan base an asshole? I'm offended by that. I'm offended for you. I'm offended for you. I am. I'm not kidding. No joke. Not hyperbole. Not made up. I'm offended for you. That's why somebody at that Novacare Center, I can only imagine who, made him walk it back. You see, there's, there's certain people that are at the Novacare Center 
that I want people to walk back their takes and their comments all the time. It's not just media people. It's even his own players. You noticing it, Xander? There's just a dude that wants everyone to walk back or clarify comments. I don't know you anything, brother. I owe you nothing. I owe you nothing. We legit are a toxic fan base. We wear that like a badge of honor. Okay. If you look at it like that, I can look at it like that too. Hey, LJ, Angelos, I so I shared a text with um, and again, I'm not gonna go into particulars, but I shared a text with Angelo. It's a man they're all over big sills. When he said, you know what he said? Fantastic. It's a merit badge. Congratulate. You know what he said? Congratulations. Way to go, Dan. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's like you're being waterboarded, though. Hey, I'll tell you this, man. Big Sills is like being waterboarded. One day it's this, one day it's that, one day it's over there, one day it's here, one day it's somebody texting me, telling me I can't come on your show anymore. People have been told by their bosses to no longer, you are no longer allowed to go on this show. Carton's coming on at 4.30, I think. He's going to get the first shot. All right, let me do this now. Go to, Let's go back to Nick here on Fletcher and Kelsey. Um, Sirianni's making comments now that the organization would not like to see Fletcher Cox or Jason Kelsey in different gear. I believe that. I do. I believe that. I believe it more with Kelsey, but I don't think they have to worry about that. Kelsey's not playing anywhere else. I'll tell you what, though, man. Kelsey, like in... Oh, he couldn't go to Kansas City because they got Creed Humphrey there, so he couldn't go there. And he, he wouldn't go anywhere else because this guy's a diehard eagle. He ain't going anywhere. So you don't have to worry about Kelsey playing in a different uniform. But Fletcher's going to be interesting because I could see him in Kansas City. I could see him in Cleveland. Or I could see him in Pittsburgh. But I wouldn't have a problem with that. I, I, I just wouldn't have a problem with that. Hey, everybody has a right to call their career when they want to. And Fletcher's been such a great football player. He's been such a great ambassador to the sport and to the city. And get this, there's a football player that's played hard every single time I've seen him. You know, it's funny, when I first went on the air three years ago in Philly, I told um, Xander that I like him more than Aaron Donald. 
I think his style of play I like more than Aaron Donald. Personally, I think he was a more complete player than Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's a phenomenal pass rusher. Fletcher Cox is a more complete player. And I'm more, more, I, I like him better. Play to run, pass rush. He was, what was, what pick was he? The 13th pick? Let me say this to you. Fletcher Cox has lived up to every single thing from his first round selection and where he was picked and exceeded it. He'll go down. And if I had to put D lineman and I had to rank just D lineman in my lifetime that played in Philadelphia, I would go Reggie. Let's name a few. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to, Reggie's one. Corey Simon's got to be in there. Jerome's got to be in there. <laughs> um, Clyde Simmons. Um, If I had Tank, I think he belongs in that list. Trent. So if I were gonna if I were gonna rank your top five defensive linemen, William Fuller. William Fuller was, if I'm not mistaken, help me out. Um, Steve, I think William Fuller first started his career when he came out of Carolina. I think he was a USFL guy with the stars. Then he went to Houston and then I think he went to Philly. Is that how that worked? I, I, I thought William Fuller was a Philadelphia star out of North Carolina. Hollis Thomas is on this list. Yes, it is, Chris. Um, I think Fuller was um, a star, an oiler, a star, oiler, eagle. I think that's how that worked for him. I'm a huge William Fuller fan. He's, he's, he's a guy that kind of flies under the radar. Hugh Douglas, I don't really think he was all that hot. I think he was a really good pass rusher. I don't think that he was a real good tackler. And there were many people that played with him that said he didn't want to do anything but rush the passer. Oh, he was a charger. William Fuller was a charger. That's right, too. He was a charger, too. Here's how I would rank and where Fletcher and where Fletcher Cox ranks as one of your greatest defensive linemen. I'd go Reggie. Is it fair to put Jerome too when Jerome hasn't played, didn't play long enough? It's my problem with putting Jerome there. Can, I mean, it, it, it would be sentimental. So how about this? I'm not going to put Jerome there unless you tell me to. Would you put Jerome Brown too? Because I want to see where Fletcher lands. 
Or would you put Fletcher too? Or Clyde? Corey Simon, hell of a player. Hell of a player. Oh, I, I, Fly, I thought he was good. You know what I'm going to do? Is Fletcher Cox the second greatest defensive lineman you've ever had? Or how about this? In the last 35 years, is Fletcher Cox the second best defensive lineman that you've had? Fletch is two. I'm gonna put Clyde. I'm gonna put Clyde Simmons three. I'm gonna put Jerome four. And I'm gonna put Trent Cole five. In my opinion, here's your five best defensive linemen in the last 35 years. Reggie White, Fletcher Cox, quite a statement. Clyde Simmons, Jerome Brown, and Trent Cole. Okay. I know he's edge. I'm going D-line with that. I know it's it's a different... Okay, so, I mean, I think you could probably change it up with Jerome and Clyde, but I I just don't think Jerome played long enough. Okay, I just don't think Jerome, I think because Jerome died in 92. Let me see, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, six years. Fletcher's played such a great, he's your second best. You can make the comment Jerome's third. I'm I, I'm I'm too biased. Mike Mamula. <laughs> um, okay. We have to see what the hey, by the way, that's a good one. Enrique, I'll tell you, man. Jalen Carter, he's got a chance of being in this in this group here. I think he has all the tools to be in that conversation with those men. Absolutely. I think he's got a great opportunity to do that. Hey, I know. Hey, I, I know. Mike wasn't completely horrible. Okay. He 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 was okay. He was, I forget what college he came from. Was he a BC guy? Mike Mamula? Was he was he a Boston College guy? I forget where he was drafted. Yeah, Chris Long didn't play long enough, dude. In Philly. I think Mike Mamula. I think he, he, hey, get this. I think Mike Mamola may have played with Bose's father. I think Bose's father was a, was a BC guy and Mamola was on the other side. I think those two guys played up there in uh, Boston College together. I think they, they played together up there. Yeah, absolutely. Man, hey, so we're going to get Carton on at 430. And Craig was kind of like the first dude. Okay. Mamulu was taken ahead of Sap. Can you imagine Warren Sap in Philly? Wow. That would have been 
the heir apparent to Jerome. The reason that the Eagles didn't draft him was because of the pot. Absolutely. The, hey, Dennis Green says to this day, or unfortunately he's passed away, but when he was alive, he said he'll never pass on a guy over marijuana ever again. And that's why they've drafted Moss. said, no way am I ever doing anything like that again. And they drafted Moss because that turned out to be a Pro Bowl Hall of Fame defensive tackle. And you can make the argument he's the best three technique in NFL history. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay. Sap and Corey Simon together. That would have been frightening. That would have been outstanding. Absolutely. That would have been, you know, and I, I wouldn't mind the Eagles going into the draft to get some depth. For defensive tackle, some big guys, some some run stopper kind of guys. You know, I would I wouldn't mind that. I think that that would be in the best interest if they were able to do something like that, go in there and do that. So, all right, we're gonna take a timeout. Don't forget, Craig Carton's gonna join us in a couple minutes down at the bottom of the hour. He's gonna join us at four thirty Eastern. We look forward to that. Got some more stuff with the draft. Bunch of Free agent news coming up as well. Please hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show.
Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports and certainly the easiest when you're watching the NBA and the NBA playoffs are almost here and you can win money making picks. What are you waiting for? Sign up on underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code WIN. An underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Get ready for the NBA and get ready for the NBA playoffs. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Big Sills National Football Show. Bottom of the hour, we will talk with our friend, Craig Carton, from the Carton Show and also former WIP and WFAN radio host. He will join us. That will be at the bottom of the hour. Um, What's the love affair with the Giants and Daniel Jones? I mean, what's the love affair? I don't, I'm not, I'm not getting why they're so enamored with Daniel Jones. I'm going to ask Craig that. I mean, why are they so in love with him? What what do you see in Daniel Jones that makes you do this? Wow. That guy there is a guy I want to build my football team around. I mean, what do you see in him? He had a stretch two years ago where he looked decent. Um, and, and last year, he didn't look good at all. What is their love affair with the guy? Is it because they drafted him? The owner likes him. Um, you know, wake on you. Maybe it's because they like his versatility and they know that's kind of what everyone's looking like in the NFL today. You got to have somebody that kind of looks like Mahomes. You know what I mean? Somebody that can run, throw, get out in the perimeter, do some. Maybe they they're in love with that kind of skill set. So I kind of like, but I'm like, man. 
they are so vested in him financially. And are they are are you going to go into this draft? Where do the Giants pick? Okay. Um, who was the first guy they fired on the morning show? Um, what what morning show? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think why they have this like financial commitment to the guy. They just maybe they want to look bad because that's what a lot of front offices do. I I I I don't I I just don't get it why when you look at that. All right. Hassan Reddick's people are trying to set the market. And I told you yesterday, they've thrown out the number that they're looking for for $26 million annually. My opinion, I don't have a problem with them asking for that. Are they going to get that? No. But you start high. It's negotiations, right? You're going to start high. So here are the five landing spots that potentially you could see Hassan Reddick. And I think there's probably two more. Eagles will do 20 to 22. Damn, Chris, I'm not seeing that. I'm just not seeing that. I, I'm, I'm not there with that. $22 million for Hassan Reddick. Man, maybe I just sound like I'm old man, get off my lawn shit because the cap's up 255. I mean, is that the market value for a guy that can't do everything for you? Are you going to pay $22 million for a guy who can't do everything for you in Hassan Reddick? I just don't believe I'm spending that kind of money when I could cut that money in half and get multiple players because I have multiple issues in my defense. Secondary linebacker depth. I have to get more. You see, do we not agree? The Eagles have a volume problem on defense. You have a volume problem of lack of talent. I don't care what how, how he's full of shit. He is not telling the truth. There is a volume issue of talent on that side of the ball. Are you, here, are you talented on offense? Absolutely. You don't really have a talent issue on the offensive side, but you have a talent issue there. I'm not even talking about pro bowler. I'm just talking about functional, good players. There's two dudes on that side of the ball. Two dudes that you would keep on that side of the ball. Okay? Who replaces Reddick's sack value? What's on the market right now? Brian, it's a great call. But here, Brian. Brian, if my defense got better in, in playing the run and my defense got better in pass rushing as a unit, and I didn't pay Reddick the $20 million, but I got better and I paid a guy 10 Would you think that was a win? You know, I, I, I hear people like Bill and some of these other guys talking about why get rid of your best players. Well, if you're not 
you're not getting any value out of it and your best players, I don't see, I think some of the comments are, I don't see getting rid of a guy like A.J. Brown. Well, I saw Pittsburgh, and I've seen other teams win with lesser talented wide receivers and go further into playoffs, and their quarterbacks do more with lesser talented wideouts. Why do you have to spend $25 million? What's the point of that? You know what that is? You don't believe in Hurts. If you have a conversation, and here, if you have a conversation in a building and you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you're Duke Tobin or you're Mike Brown and you can't live without Chase, Jamar Chase, and you pay Joe Burrow $55 million, well, then you don't have the right guy at quarterback. If you can't move off of a wide out, your offense doesn't go through your wide receiver. It goes through your quarterback. I mean, I don't want to hear that if you can't, you get rid of somebody other than the quarterback, what's the point of paying them? I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't see the value in that. Again, you got to remember, this is about building rosters, not about players' resumes. And I think we fall into that too much. When it comes to looking at these rosters, don't forget Craig Carton's going to join us at 4.30. Craig was was one of the first guys to throw some shade out there on the Eagle locker room. A lot of the stuff that D-Gun and everybody have been reporting, a lot of it has started to circumvent itself here a little bit. And we'll get his take on it. That'll be at the bottom of the hour here in a second. So we'll look forward to talking with him. You see, I, I'm I'm not in paying big time wideouts or edge rushers. I'm I'm into paying for a healthy roster and balancing of my roster, balancing of my cap. Here's some of the landing spots. There's gonna be an exodus in Cleveland. They're gonna lose a ton of guys in their front seven. The Browns are gonna lose a lot of dudes in that front seven this uh, offseason here. And does Reddick fit into a place? Could Jim Schwartz use him in a position where you have him on the other side of Miles Garrett? I mean, does that make sense? Because remember something, the Browns don't have a first-round pick, okay? They don't have a first-round selection. So you put him on the other side of Miles Garrett does that make that defense look a tad bit more formidable? Miles Garrett and Hassan Reddick playing ball together in Cleveland. You're in the AFC. You've got to get home with Lamar. You've got to get home with Mahomes, Allen, all these players, Trevor Lawrence, CJ Stroud. You'd have a pretty damn formidable pass rush. The question would be, would you pay? See, Cleveland... They're going to have some money, too. They're going to have some money. I mean, flexing goes, the Browns are going to be a force if they can make that happen. I could see the Browns, plus the relationship that Andrew Berry has with Howie, um, Swartz, all them guys. Does that make sense? Communications would be open. There's no animosity with Cleveland and Philly. Sounds like a place where he could sit and land. That could be a spot for him. 
because the Browns don't have a first-round pick. The second team that I could see them having an opportunity at would be the Falcons. The Falcons need defense. They've done a really nice job, the Falcons, at building up their offense. I think B. John Robinson's a good football player, and I think he was a real good draft pick for them. The kid they got from Florida the year previous, I think is good. They got to get a quarterback down there. Is that a place Justin Fields lands? That makes more sense for me that Fields lands in Atlanta, young coach. And, and, and Raheem's right. Raheem doesn't get that job if you had better quarterback play. If there were better, they're telling you, they're moving off of Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter's not the guy. Because if they got better quarterback play, Raheem doesn't get that job, Raheem Morris. So is that where Justin Fields goes? Fields started his career. Am I right when I say this? Xander, maybe you guys, am I right when I say that Justin Fields started his college career at Georgia before he transferred to Ohio State? Does that sound right? I thought that he, like, he started his career at Georgia and then transferred to um, Ohio State. And for the record, I believe that's how Burrow had to go to LSU was because of that. So he gets a chance to go back to Atlanta. That makes more sense to me. Seeing So if you had Justin Fields there, the kid Pitts, Bijan Robinson, and all of a sudden you're able to attract Hassan Reddick in a trade and acquire Hassan Reddick in a trade, you know, the Atlanta Falcons could win that division. And would Justin Fields be the best quarterback in that division, the NFC South? Would he be better than Baker? If he goes down to Atlanta, all of a sudden Atlanta looks pretty good if you get Reddick. I'll tell you this, man. Reddick's going to make a team better. It's going to make a team better. It's going to be the price tag. It's, this comes down to price tag. And once again, it, guys, would you not agree that if how he spent money on defense, this is a non-question. This is a non-discussion. But because the Eagles are cheap defensively, this is a conversation. When people, again, we brought this up the last three days about Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen is a pipe dream. Patrick Queen is going to cost you $20 million. Okay? They're going to cost you $20 million. How he's not spending $20 million of his salary cap on one dude. You know, if he does that, he would have rolled the dice. And I will tell you, holy shit, you talk about a course change. I mean, that's an earthquake change if they do shit like If they sign Queen, they had a clear epiphany about the linebacker position if they get Patrick Queen. What is sad about the NFL is that none of the top receivers throughout history besides Rice has won a Super Bowl. Just a bunch of big number guys. It's correct. That's why I don't spend that money there. Because if you have the quarterback, you don't need a big-time wideout. And let's not forget something, too. Death Row, Montana's first Super Bowl, he had no receivers. They had the quarterback. Rice just added to Montana's greatness. It was Montana. It wasn't Rice 
as great as Rice was, it was Montana because you had the quarterback. You had the guy that could win ball games. Montana in his four, four Super Bowl wins never threw a pick and had 14 touchdown passes. He never threw an interception in any one of the four Super Bowls, and he beat Elway and Marino in no Super Bowls. Not only beat him, but crushed him. I mean, guy was sensational. Here's another place. How about Doug Peterson making a play for Hassan Reddick? So, so far, landing spots for Reddick. Browns, Falcons, but the Jags put him on the other side of the kid he drafted from Utah, plus the kid Walker. They need to get home. Okay? Hey, Mr. International, and of course, <laughs> it slipped my mind. Hassan Reddick and Josh Allen. How many how many sacks did Allen have last year? Like, what was it, 17, 18? Jags already have a good defense. You imagine Josh Allen and Hassan Reddick rushing the passer. Okay. Allen had 17 sacks. Reddick had 12. So you got 30 between the two of them. And you want to talk about getting better immediately? You put Hassan Reddick on the Jaguars. And you're talking about a formidable front. And you're talking about a very versatile front. And Reddick can eat in that. He doesn't have to drop in coverage because Allen will do that. Okay? You just wind him up and let him run into quarterbacks. So the Jags sound to me like a good spot. So landing spots for Reddick, Browns, Falcons, Jags. About the Vikings, they're going to lose Hunter. Hunter's probably going to go on the open market because he's value at $21 million. I do not believe the Minnesota Vikings for whatever reason. Now, to me, if I'm the Minnesota Vikings, I mean, I would tag Hunter and I would sign Reddick. And you put Reddick and Hunter together. That, to me, makes sense. Last year, I think Daniel Hunter, he was another guy that had almost like 19 sacks. He's another guy. That's a, there's a place there, again, where you put him on the other side of a true pass rusher. Yeah, you know, you know, Rico, I'm, I'm gonna, what I'll do is I'll give you my best landing spot for him. And again, you got to remember, the Eagles are going to want some equity back, obviously, if he finds a home somewhere else. Um, the Jaguars... The Browns don't have a lot of draft picks, okay? They don't have a lot of draft picks because of the Deshaun Watson deal. They sent them all to the Texans. I think the Texans is a great landing spot on the other side of Will Anderson, and they've got $70 million in cap space, okay? And they're an up-and-coming football team. D'Amico Ryans is, and Nick Casario, the general manager, in my opinion, you're starting to look at a football team that's starting to put something together down in Houston. 
that looks like also a potential spot could be down there in Texas. I like him on the other side of someone. I think that was one of the reasons why he had a great year last year was because Brandon Graham had a double-digit sack year. And when you have a guy on the other side, plus Sweat had a double-digit sack year. And when you got multiple guys that are playing on the edge for you, having double-digit sacks, I think that benefited his play. He was, there's no question, he was a four. I, I would make this point to you. As great as Hurts played, he was your postseason MVP in your Super Bowl run year. Would you not agree? Divisional game, he was exceptional. The NFC Championship game, he changed the complex of the game. Even in the Super Bowl, I thought he was really good. He was outstanding in the postseason. Outstanding. Outstanding in the postseason. I thought he was great. Um, how about Reddick and TJ Watt in Pittsburgh? I don't think Pittsburgh is going to spend that kind of money on an edge rusher outside like that. I think they're looking more towards interior defensive line, and that's why there's been an emphasis on potentially trying to get Fletcher Cox in the building. See, Fletcher Cox makes sense to me because I think that's something that Mike Tomlin, they got to do a better job of stopping the run in Pittsburgh. Ravens, um, you know, Terrell Suggs, they've always been good at the edge. They're losing some players in free agency. I mean, would they spend $20 million, though, on a guy? Would they spend $20 million on him? They've got some holes, man. They figured it out. At, they got to figure out what they're going to do with Patrick Queen, though. To me, if I'm going to spend money, I'm going to keep Queen in the building and have him play alongside of Roquan Smith. So I think that's I, – I would rather spend my money on Patrick Queen and restructure a contract to try to keep him in the building than I would to try to bring in Hassan Reddick. Because to me, Patrick Queen is 24 years old. I don't think the Ravens want to let him go. So I wouldn't be in a hurry to put him on the open market. That's coming up in two weeks. So they're going to have to make a decision. Would they tag him? I mean, that's a pretty big tag number in today's NFL for a linebacker. Would you tag Patrick Queen? Probably not, because you don't get the negotiation and the ability to be able to negotiate down a lower um, base salary because then you can front-end it. Like what the Eagles did with Hertz was brilliant. They front-ended the contract. They gave him the bag of money. They lowered his base so that the cap hits wouldn't be detrimental. And <clears throat> that's why, really, Jalen is a non-factor in his salary. He, 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 in theory, is a non-factor when it comes to his base. So he won't be actually a factor probably for another three years. And that was one of the brilliant things that Roseman did. No question about it. You know, I mean, you look at Daniel Jones's numbers. His numbers are insane for the Giants. And once again, I, I heard Barkley saying at the Combines that the Giants are in contact with him and they would like to have him still be a New York Giant. But they want, they, they want Barkley to be a Giant at their price. And here's my problem with Barkley, though. I don't think Saquon Barkley 
lived up to his number two overall pick. When I look at Barkley's career, I think Saquon Barkley has been a really good ball player, but the number two overall pick, you want me to pay $10 million for a back, albeit didn't have a really good old line last year, but you want me to give you $8 million, $9 million for a guy who didn't gain 1,000 yards? What kind of, what are we talking here? And I never really thought he ever lived up to that number two overall. And so when they're talking about Barkley, you know, being a big commodity on the open market, who's going to pay that guy who's been often injured, not lived up to the number two billing and the number two draft pick, who's going to pay that? I'd rather get a lesser guy and fill a bigger need. It just, I don't, okay. Yeah, Barb, I mean, I think the poster of the movie for Saquon Barkley, I think it's been bigger than it was the movie. And I think it's, like you said, I think there's been a little bit of like over-promotion on Barkley. He's not as good as you think he is. Now, is he the best player offensively on the Giants? Yes. But what does that say? Your running back, where in today's NFL, a traditional 20-carry guy is no longer part of the game? I don't know, man. I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't, I, I don't see how the Giants bring him back. And personally, maybe they do bring him back, but once he gets out in the open market and he becomes a free agent, I think guys like him and Josh Jacobs and maybe even DeAndre Swift, I think these guys are going to get an eyeful here on what kind of market value they don't have. Because I don't believe that there's a lot of teams. Now, what team out there? Would the Bills pay Barkley um, $8 million bucks? They got a decent back in that kid Bush. I think that guy's going to be a bit of um, a budding star in Buffalo. Where, where, where would you go? Where you think Baltimore? Again, you talk about Hassan going to Baltimore. Do they need more of a back in that position in Baltimore? Or do they look over at that and say, Hey, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't see Saquon Barkley. Here's the last landing spot that I have. This is going to be weird. Going back to Carolina, I know it's a song, but going back to Carolina, you're going to lose Brian Burns. Or are Carolina, is Carolina going to bring him back and franchise tag him? He's a $21 million player. So are you going to have two edge pass rushers at $20 million? Or do you bring Reddick back and pay him $20 million? Because I think Burns is going to command $26, $27 million in the open market. He's 25 years old, and he's one of the top flight prospects for free agency, in my opinion. Now, I mean, I would love to have I would love to have Burns take the place. If I was going to spend a lot of money, it wouldn't be on Patrick Queen. It would be on Brian Burns to try to get him to replace Brandon Graham. Graham, Sweat, Jalen Carter, and Jordan Davis, you'd have the best front four in the NFL. If you put those four together, okay, Josh Sweat, Brian Burns, Jalen Carter, 
Jordan Davis, and you had those four guys as your front four, that'd be pretty formidable. Okay? That'd be pretty formidable. Carolina can't keep him. Why? Because of the move they made last year when it came to dealing that pick for Bryce Young. They need draft picks. So that's why they're moving off of Brian Burns. They're going to want to get draft choices. They're going to want, they would want, again, opportunities on being able. But again, he's a free agent. Do you tag him? Once he becomes a free agent, I don't know what what Carolina, is Carolina going to tag him? I mean, are, are they going to tag him? He's a great player. He's just on a shitty team. I mean, he's just on a terrible football team right now. So Carolina's got, they got a lot of holes to fill, brand new coach, and a very temperamental owner. And you go down there right now, and you're the owner, okay? End of the end of the line here, you got to sit here, and you got to determine whether or not you understand that you've got a lot of work to do here. Um, so the spots, the Browns, the Falcons, the Jags, the Vikings, um, and Carolina. Let me tell Craig he can log on now. How many people believe, though? Let's see here. I just text him. Okay, thanks, thanks, Xander. Good. Okay. Good. Um, I still don't know what they're going to do. Either bring him back, try to restructure a contract. I don't believe they're going to offer him the money that he's looking for. I just don't. I don't believe that. I think this is one of the critical decisions they have to make in the next two weeks to determine that defense right now and what they have to do because they got a ton of holes and they've got to figure that one out because that is going to be able – they got a lot of money. Do you spend money at the edge? Do you spend money at the linebacker? I don't believe they're going to – a corner – I don't believe they're going to do that at the safety position. I just don't believe they're going to do that. So a lot of money they have to be able to spread around, but there's a lot of holes. Vic Fangio, his priority has got to be one of the things that Dave said, Dave Wanstad said, when we were talking about Fangio and even when Tom Thayer was on with us, they were making um, the comments that we were talking. And he said that, look, it's not about having great players on the team. It's about having balance at every level. You can't just have a great D-line, suspect linebackers, and also corners and safeties that can't cover. He's going to want to be able to try to rebuild the football. You don't have to rebuild your football team with a bunch of A guys. 
you can rebuild your team with a bunch of B and C guys working as a single unit. We're efforting our friend Craig Carton. I know I told you guys that he'd be on with us here at 4.30 Eastern, so hopefully we're able to run him down here and uh, get him aboard here with us in a couple minutes here. So I appreciate Yeah, Devin, we're, we're working on that right now. Hopefully we're able to get him on here. So, again, I would say that Reddick has a market. This is going to come down to price tag. And what do the Eagles want in return? What would you get in return for him? What will be acceptable? Is it more about getting him off the books? Or is it more about getting a draft pick in return? What's the return you're looking for? Third rounder, you're not getting a one. You're not getting a one. Denny's right. Denny's right. And when it comes to getting value and getting value back in picks, how he's good at that, absolutely, he is. Could the Eagles go after Chris Jones? That's a $30 million price tag, Howard. You know, right now, you're talking about a guy who's going to be in the market for around between $28 and $32 million when it comes to that. So you're not they're not spending that kind of money for a defensive tackle that's 29 years old. Okay? Between 20, 28 and $32 million is what Chris Jones is going to command. And do I think he's worth it? I don't think he's worth it on a four-year contract, but I think he's worth it when it comes to him being there for about, I'd give him a three-year contract. But again, that's a ton of money, man. You've got to go to the teams that have the ton of money, like Chicago. Chicago's got a ton of cash. Jason, a two and a, a two and a three for Reddick, I don't believe you'd get that for him. I, I, I do not believe you would get that. I think that's a little too high. A two and a three. Okay? Trade Reddick, how much cap does that? I think that clears around $13 million. If they were able to clear that, it would give them a ton of money. And you could pay for a guy like Burns or Queen. But again, this comes down to how the Eagles act. All right. Uh, hey, I'm gonna hey, hey, hey Xander, I'm gonna take a timeout. I'm gonna try to run down Craig here and see if we can find him. So I'm gonna take a timeout here and let's see if we can uh, try to run down our friend here. And we're efforting our friend. Hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show.
Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports and certainly the easiest when you're watching the NBA. And the NBA playoffs are almost here and you can win money making picks. What are you waiting for? Sign up on underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code WIN. An underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Get ready for the NBA and get ready for the NBA playoffs. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Big sales. We're efforting our friend Craig Carton. Hopefully we're able to run him down. Hopefully no one's gotten to him. We're hopefully we're able to catch up with him here, so. Let's see how this thing works out here. Appreciate you guys here, though. Don't worry. Philly Godfather will join us at 530 Eastern. Um, Before I get to Edwin Cooper and Jeremiah Trotter Jr., Mike Lombardi, who we've had on the program, former general manager, made a comment about Antonio and he, he was talking about the Raider coach. And he was making the comment about the new coach. And he said, what would he know about the Raider way? He's from Compton. Why would Mike go so personal like that? What does that have to do with anything? What would he know about the Raider way? Antonio Pierce. He's from Compton. I mean... I'm not sure what that means. That that has no Antonio Pierce. I know the Raider way. I worked for the Raiders. I worked for the Raiders for three years. Senor. Yeah. A little bit to me too. 
What does Compton and the Raider way have anything to do with anything? Why, how, how would Antonio Pierce know the Raider way? He's from Compton. I'm really not sure how that has one thing to do with another. I mean, when you're a football player, where you're from has nothing to do with if you know what a culture is inside the building, like the Eagle culture, the giant culture, that's a shitty comment. I mean, and and, and I got respect for Mike. Do I think Mike's a racist? I don't. I, I don't think that. But it comes off really floating on that line like that. It's an, yeah, I, I'm with you, Rico. I think it's an idiot comment. I think it's an idiot comment, dude. Football players are from everywhere. Senor's right. The Raider culture? What Raider culture? What Raider way? The Raiders haven't been relevant since the Super Bowl that they got killed in by the Bucks. They haven't been relevant since the early 2000s. You know, there was a time that the Raiders had the top win percentage of any football team in NFL history. They had the highest win percentage. They were the biggest winners in NFL history when it came to winning ball games. Now they're a joke. So when he says that, it really doesn't come off in a good light. And it does sound with a racial tone to it. He wouldn't know what the Raider way is because he's from Compton. Man, I was like, that's way over the line. Way over the line. Since Gannon, right. Since Gannon won that MVP and they played the Bucks and the Bucks crushed them. Absolutely. Hey, guys, thank you for your patience here. We're, we're trying to effort, uh, Craig. We'll see what happens. Hopefully he jumps on with us by the end of the program. No harm, no foul here. I want to say this to you. I've been telling you guys about Edgerin Cooper here. I want to show you something, what the teams are doing. Supposedly yesterday, I talked to Tracy Rocker, and I talked to um, um, Carl Dunbar, who's working out the defensive guys, and he's been around a lot of the defensive guys. And he said, Sills, this kid, Edgerin Cooper, the Eagles are all up this guy's rear. They put him through the ringer. They were talking with him. Clint Hurt likes him. Uh, Vic, everyone's there working him out. So there's express interest in Edger and Cooper right now. The guy that I talked about, what, three weeks ago, saying that that's a guy I hope the Eagles land on. Now, you got to remember something. Does that 86 out Jeremiah Trotter? No. Here's why. Okay. You got to remember when you where you are right now. You're in the land of misinformation and misdirection, which means this. If I really like somebody a lot, am I going to work that guy out? Am I going to talk to that guy in public? Am I going to make sure that everyone sees that I'm looking and showing my hand on what I'm going to do in the upcoming NFL draft? Okay. Are you going to do that? 
Probably not. So is it a smokescreen by Roseman to get Trotter? Could it be? Yes. Or the kid from NC State. You're never going... Look, I'm not saying you're not going to work out people you like. I'm not saying you don't do that. Okay? That, that That's not where I'm going here. But what I am saying is, is that sometimes, because they... Here, supposedly here, this is kind of the text I got here. Um, He goes like this. Hey, man, this kid Cooper might be a better fit in that Fangio defense. Even with you know the way Trotter looks, and Trotter had a good had had, had a good combines, but he said this. He goes, um, they like the kid. They're calling him Axman. I didn't know his nickname was Axman. Okay, and everyone wants him, but Cooper may be the guy. He he came in at 6'2", 227, and. He was awesome at the East-West. Draft meetings, he sat there. They had a great interview with him. I'm, I'm, I'm reading you from my text from Tracy Rocker here. And he said he had a great – and put Cooper through the ringer, and they did some quick film work with Vic. So Vic's in, Vic's in Indy. And Vic is talking to him. And and Tracy said he said this to him. Tracy asked him, how did the interview go with the Eagles? He goes, it went extremely well. And he goes, he checked in. Eagles had him in. Great coaches. Everyone was trying to get to know everyone and see the type of player I am and kind of person I was. They asked me some questions and said that the Eagles visit and they would like to bring him in for an up-close visit into Philadelphia. So you can count that he's going to be one of the people that they're going to bring in for a personal visit into Philadelphia. So this is just in right now that the Eagles are going to bring him into Philadelphia and he'll get a chance to be around more of the coaches and take a look at more of the facilities there. They really like the kid, Edrin Cooper. But once again, is this going to be a situation where um, Denny goes 6'2", 227, that's undersized for an LB? Not in today's NFL. Absolutely not undersized. Dude, those 245-pound Levon Kirkland guys are no longer part of the NFL. You've got to be able to cover – look. Now, what I like to see him at 235, 6'2 is not small, dude. The Kobe Dean is tiny. He's a tiny guy. 6'2, 230. You think that's small? I don't think that's small. Okay. Would I like him at 35? I'd like him up there. Trotter's smaller. Trotter's smaller. Okay. Trotter's smaller. Um, Sales, who's your favorite corner in the draft? Yeah, I um 
I got a I got a little bit of note on Kool Aid too. Kool Aid's not working out. And here, according to people at the combines, he's got a small fracture in his right foot. So he's not working out. Are you going to draft a guy with a small fracture in his right foot? You know, we're not talking about a knee injury here. Um, you know, does he drop down? Okay, so, and again, they say it's a small fracture. I've broken my feet, and you don't have to be in a cast. Um, so it's that's not that big of a deal. His game tape and his interview, when it comes to me, um, Dean is 5'11". Then why is he always hurt, Timothy? He's always hurt, and he's a shrimp. Kool-Aid's not a third-rounder. Kool-Aid's a first-round pick because of the people that he plays against. Yeah, it's, it's the Jones fracture thing. Okay, how is 230 and 5'11 small in today's NFL? 5'11 at linebacker is small in today's NFL. 230 at linebacker, when you got to cover tight ends and you got to cover and you, you've got to fill holes, and you've got to play in pass coverage. Um, you you've got to play like a Tampa two linebacker. Okay, you've got to be more like a like a Tampa two type of guy for you to be able to withstand that. So, Vic will want to strengthen the umbrella. Keep that's right. Control and contain, Rico. That's exactly correct. Control and contain. Last LB drafted with size was Lavian Collins, 6'5", 260. Havens watched a ton of Cardinals games, but I don't think they play him at edge. Um, Dude, stop talking to me about N'Kobe Dean unless you want me to smash him. He's a non-factor. He is If he is your starting Mike linebacker in September, your football defense is in trouble. He's not durable enough, let alone he's not good enough. I have not seen one redeeming thing that makes me feel comfortable, except how he's saying we have a lot of young, good players. No, flexing, it's not me. Everyone's saying and talking Dean. And so is your GM. Your GM is talking about him at the Combines like he is a fixture of the future of the team. The Combines are going on right now. Okay? How he's always wanted to be accepted by the players like he's one of the players. Sam, the problem is he doesn't know what a player looks like on defense. See, Sam? Drafting defense versus drafting offense, what do you think is the number one difference in drafting a defensive football player and drafting an offensive football player? Because they're two different people. I probably should have started with that. What do you think the difference is when you're drafting a defensive guy 
versus an offensive guy. What's the difference? Mentality? Yep, some of that. Absolutely. Playing defense is not a position. It's a mentality. You, you've got to want to hit people. Okay? You've got to have no fear. You've got to play 100% all the time. Because when you don't is when you get hurt. Speed. Okay? Quickness. Great feet. Smart. Processing information. Quickly. Why do you think it takes longer for offensive people to develop more? Remember something. What's the one thing that's different between offense and defensive players? I'm moving forward. Offensive people, most of them except the running back and receivers, tight end, are moving backwards. There's a difference. It's a passive resistance versus an aggressive attack. I'm coming forward. They're coming backwards. And I'm, I'm basically more talking about the defensive front guys here and how you evaluate that. Linebackers as well. A lot of linebacker players, you have to go forward. Okay? I am moving forward. I'm moving with quickness. You've got to be more patient. On the offensive side, you, you, you're you going back. I mean, the offensive linemen, they're playing the game like they're a corner. They're moving backwards. Okay? You've got to be passive-aggressive when you're doing that. Like, Lane Johnson's passive-aggressive. And what happens with Lane, and more so with Mulata, because Mulata gives up his left shoulder because he's too aggressive. The real great linemen and what they do, like Kelsey, they're exceptionally pa- – it's not really passive. It's more patience, I should say, because I wouldn't consider Jason Kelsey or Lane Johnson passive people. Okay, I wouldn't. I, I'm, that's, that, that's probably not a good word, but they're more patient. You have to be patient on that side of the ball. Okay? Anthony says Sills was right about Dean from day one. And you know what, Anthony? I've told Xander this numerous times, too. That sucks that I'm right. Unlike some of the people that in here that would think that, yay, yay, Sills, nice take. No, that sucks. I want the kid to succeed. I want to be wrong. Who roots for anybody to fail at their ultimate dream in life? You'd have to be an asshole. I'm not rooting against the kid. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you something that's not true. You know, the NFL talks to kids the way I talk to them. And the problem is most people don't like to hear how they get talked to. It's like the shit with Trump. I told you this. Trump talks to people like owners and coaches talk to players. Straight, forward, and they talk with talking shit. No one likes that. Not every player likes that. But it's the truth. They had a linebacker that ran a 4-4 that Peyton, Jesus, criminy. 4-4, Peyton Wilson, 
out of NC State. He is a ball player. He is a ball player, man. I watched him. And of all the things I told you about the ACC, I'm not a big ACC guy. But he is, man, 4-4. He's a hitter. And, hey, you guys know what his size is? He might be a 235 guy. Or two, he could be near 240. If that guy ran a 240 at 4-4, shit. I'll take him over Trotter Jr. any day. That's Ray Lewis size. If he's that big, okay? If he's that big and 6'4", 245, and he ran a 4'4 just now? Really? And his tape is outstanding. Hey, he, he's a first-round draft choice. He has put himself in the first round because his tape is first-round tape. And now his metrics are first round. Man. He ran that yesterday. Thanks, Prince. So he ran a 4-4 at 235 pounds, and he's 6-4. Dude, that's a guy you want in the middle of your defense. Okay. Hedrick Cooper at 6'2", 230, versus a guy who's – now, Cooper played in the SEC. There's a difference in competition. 6'4", 238, that's what he was. I saw him, too, do his drills. Thought he was exceptional in doing his drills. I don't think Keekley was that big. He may have been. Two torn ACLs. Absolutely, Senor's right. Two torn ACLs. Wow. Does that keep him? Yeah. But, hey, Senor, you know what you do with him? You just sweat him. You draft him in later rounds. He's a first-rounder that's going to go in later rounds like Josh Sweat did. Josh Sweat's a first-round pick. But because of his injuries that he had in high school, he went in a fourth. And the only reason he went in a fourth is because of those injuries in high school. So maybe you take him late and you take an opportunity to draft him. Man. All right. We're going to take a timeout. Still efforting our friend Craig. Philly Godfather is going to join us too. Um, we'll, we'll keep efforting our friend. Please hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show. Go for the bubbles 
and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports and certainly the easiest when you're watching the NBA and the NBA playoffs are almost here and you can win money making picks. What are you waiting for? Sign up on underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code WIN. An underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Get ready for the NBA and get ready for the NBA playoffs. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Big Sales National Football Show. We appreciate you coming aboard. I don't know if I've ever started an hour out by saying this. Do you guys know who Caitlin Clark is? Do you know who Caitlin Clark is? The chick hoopster from Iowa. She sells out arenas on the road. She's an absolute baller. Me, Xander, Xander just took the words right out of my mouth. Only female basketball player I've ever enjoyed watching. Unreal. And get this. This weekend, you want to hear this? I'm watching Iowa versus Ohio State. They're the sixth-ranked team in the country. Ohio State upset them earlier, and they're number two. How in the world would I know that about women's basketball when I've never watched a women's basketball game in my life until last year when I watched Iowa versus LSU? This chick's insane. I think she's going to break Maravich's record. For most points scored, when you watch her, she's insane. She just declared for the WNBA draft. Do you know who she is? She's a modern-day Larry Bird. And I think you can fill all the narratives you want in there with that. For the WNBA, they have a modern-day version of Larry Bird. 
And do you know what that means? More viewers. More money. League growing. She did more for women's basketball in women's sports than anybody I've seen in the last thirty years. Flexin, I'm not saying that Swoops wasn't better or Griner's not a spectacular player or any of the other greats. I'm saying she's Larry Bird. You're not picking up what I'm saying without saying it. Do you think Larry Bird's impact on the NBA was just because he was a good baller? Or do you think it's because he was the greatest white player of all time? That's money. That's viewers. That's more people to the sets. Who gives a shit if it's a race thing? When you had Magic and Larry going back and forth and you have that dynamic, Michael Jordan didn't do more for the NBA. Bird and Magic did. Rivalry, Lakers, Celtics. If the WNBA does this right and creates a rival for her, and they have something that they can go coastal, you're going to have WNBA basketball become something that people will tune in and watch because it's entertaining. She's entertaining. I can't remember the last time that I got excited about an NBA Finals more so than when I watched Magic and Larry play, and it was Celtics and Lakers. It was the whole dynamic. And I'm a Lake, I was a Laker guy. And because I liked, I love Magic Johnson. Dude, I love Reese too, LSU. You get her in the WNBA, you get that rivalry going. Damn, dude. Wait, you're missing it. Sills, he's saying Michael Jordan. Yeah, I'll tell you why he had more impact than Michael Jordan. Those two. They were on tape delay the year previous to the 80 finals. The Wizards and the, um, no, the Bullets and the Sonics were on tape delay. NBA Finals were on tape delay. They were on tape delay. Nobody had sneaker shoot. Nobody had sneaker deals. There were no television networks really covering it. And all of a sudden, Bird and Magic. Do you know the most watched college basketball game of all time is? It's Magic and Larry, Indiana State versus Michigan State, 79, St. Louis. To this day, black and white and greatness. In the NBA, Lakers, Celtics. It couldn't have felt It was the perfect storm. That's what's happening here. This chick can put, I mean, how in the world do I know that I was the sixth-ranked team to take it on Ohio State, who's the second-ranked team? They upset them earlier in Columbus, and now I'm watching it Saturday, and I know this? How do I know? Get this. She's outdrawing NBA games. She's outdrawing men's basketball games. This chick's the deal, dude. Good for women's sports. 
with all the shitty politics that are going on in women's sports today, to have a true woman's sports story and not some freak show, that's what it's about. There ain't nothing political about Caitlin Clark. That's just a woman who's putting a sport on her back. I'm happy for women's sports. And it's not front and center politically and used as a yo-yo. That's why I like her. Because it's true sports. It's a true American story. There's no politics to that. Dope. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. Hey, get this. Look at what Barb just said. I wish we had a WNBA team. Hey, Barb, you may get one now. You may get one now. Her coming to town? And you know what she you know what she does too? Just like Magic and Larry did? You elevate the other superstar players that are in the NBA that you've never seen. You're going to get more publicity because of her with your other really great superstars too. It's going to expand the league. People are going to be opening their eyes to something they haven't ever I've never I've never watched a WNBA game in my life. Xander, you ever watch an NBA game? A WNBA game? Has anybody? I've never watched one. I've never been to one. I have no intention of going to one. Now I do. Now I do. I want to see how she does against the other superstars in the WNBA. Yeah. The point is you have a needle mover like Tiger. You see, basketball and baseball are unlike the NFL. You know why? The NFL could lose Tom Brady and the ratings go through the roof and the league keeps chugging along. The league's not built on the back of a player's face. It's built on the back of what the league has been built on. American love Americans love football. Football was made for television. Baseball was made for radio. Football was made for TV. Hockey wasn't. You have to be in person to go to a hockey game. And I love hockey. But football was made for television. And the ratings, they speak to that. Okay? Love it, man. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. We're going to reset here a little bit. And I, I, I brought up in the first hour, you know the only thing that I just wish that the GM would do a little better? I just wish he would be more forthright in his commentary about the current status of his team. Why does everything have to come off that everything's in a good place? And if you don't want to say it's not in a good place or a bad place, why is it so important to get in front of a microphone for him? Why does how we have to say anything? 
when Maya Moore played, I watched her games. Fantastic, fantastic ball player. But but Barb, why is it so important for Howie Roseman to have to get in front of a microphone? What 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 why? How many general managers get in front of a microphone the way he does? Or his influence on a team publicly? Why is it so important for that? That things have to be said. Even Nick to a point. You know, all of you have hated the way Bill Belichick did business. Okay? You hated it. What did Bill tell you? Hey, we're on to Kansas City. Or we're on to Cincinnati. Hey, what do you think of this? I don't know. Talk to the team doctors. I'm the coach. They're the doctors. I'm the coach. Go talk to them. And he knew personally those guys wouldn't say anything, right? Okay. I mean, what's the point here? We know when he's asked the question at the press conference yesterday, and he's talking about Nolan Smith, and he comes up with this fabricated story that Nolan Smith was really awesome. Or I'll take that back. I added that. That he had really a good game in the playoff game against the Bucks, in my opinion, why go there to open yourself up for criticism when everyone knows that's not the case? He averaged about, for 17 games, he averaged about four snaps a game. And you're telling me he showed promise? What's the point of going there? Who are you selling that to? The fans? You don't owe the fans anything. What, what, why put that out there like that? Now, so to, to, to overvalue your draft pick to make people think that you're better than you are, you're selling them a bill of goods that's not true. Okay. Rico says Lori's listening. But Lori has to know the truth. Barb says he's arrogant. Some truth to that. I think it's ego. I do. I just, it doesn't make sense. And we brought this up earlier. I had a guy text me a couple minutes ago about my take about Nick Sirianni and this year and the players and all the veteran guys. I wonder how many veteran guys are going to be still on the football team when the start of the season starts that were giving and throwing roses at Roseman when they said that he was a good coach. Let's take a look at that. Jason Kelsey, 50-50, right? Brandon Graham's not going to be back. He's out. Fletcher's probably gone. Lane, I haven't heard Lane say anything. So really, Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham were the ones that said it. All three of those guys aren't going to be back in Eagle uniforms this year, most likely. 
all three guys aren't going to be there. Lane's coming back. I haven't heard Lane say he's a great coach. I haven't heard that. Okay, I hadn't heard that. I'm right. On the way out, you're giving kudos? Okay. A.J. Brown as well, saying that Nick's a good coach. Why wouldn't you? Hey, Brian, why wouldn't you say that Nick is a good coach when you're A.J., when all the targets come to you and all the money goes to you? You see, the problem that you have here is that the offense is running through the wrong guy. The offense needs to run through the quarterback, not through the receiver. That's the problem with the offense. Take a look at how Jordan Love or C.J. Stroud or some of these other guys were spreading the ball around. The Mahomes, all these guys were spreading the ball around all throughout the postseason. And here we go with the majority of the targets to two people. You become so reliant. And I'm not saying you're not supposed to get the ball to a guy like Brown. I'm not suggesting that. Okay? I'm not suggesting that. But you got a bunch of these old guys saying that he was great. And my commentary was, I don't believe it, and it falls on deaf ears because those guys had a chance to really show that Nick was a great coach, and they failed him. And now in the offseason, they're throwing him his love. And during the year, they didn't come through for him. So it's not believable. It's just not believable. And I say to you, what's the point? You know what I'm saying? What's the point of that? Nick fell on a sword for his players' bad performance. That's why he stood up for him. Nick fell on the sword for his players' bad performance. And that's why they stood up for him. Is that why he lied too in Seattle? Making that whole story up about that pass interference thing? Well, then, okay. Well, then bleed. Then the players let him down. And it was a player issue. Why did the players quit? Why didn't they fight harder for their guy that they loved? What was the problem? Why didn't they fight harder? Why didn't they fight harder? You were 10 and 1. They're in love with him so much. Why did they not fight harder? They wanted him gone? I'm not thinking that. Dude, dude I'm awake, are you? Where, where was A.J. Brown the last nine games of the season? Where where was he? Oh, they know it's a coaching problem, but they won't say that because Nick stood up for them. 
Okay, well, then you got the wrong players in the locker room and you don't have the leadership and culture that Howie's talking about. And see, that's my problem when he's at the combines telling them that there's some sort of great culture in the building. No, there's a front runner culture in the building. You know what a front runner culture is? When things are going great, everything's great. A little adversity hits, shit hits the fan. You have no way out of it. That's not a healthy environment. Because not everything is going to go right. Steve goes 100 catches, 1,400 yards, and a gotcha shit. And a $25 million price tag on that. Got you nothing. One in seven. You were one in seven, 25 million bucks, and 100 catches, 1,400 yards. Congratulations. Meant nothing. To him, it does. Because those are his numbers, and that's his identity. You understand that, right? A.J. Brown's identity are his numbers, not his wins. Most of the – and get, get, get this. I think that's with all these diva wide receivers. Their identity is their numbers. It's not the amount of wins or Lombardis or what have you. Tyreek Hill's not defined by a championship. He's defined by the fact – of his numbers and his paycheck. We know this because the majority of these wide receivers at the end of the day, don't win the championships when it comes to being paid. Winning's more important, not to them. Not in my estimation. I don't I don't think they think that at all. I don't believe that I think I have ever started a segment out talking chicks hoop with the Philly Godfather. Now folks, see this man doesn't just go through football. Mind you. And by by the way, we're going to throw all kinds of things off of him here. We're going to talk about the Eagle things that are going on. He's got a lot of insight when it comes to people that know a lot of people in the city. We're going to do that, but okay. And I'm really glad that he's back from Morocco because I know that he was there. And, you know, last week he wasn't able to step in because he had to take his uh, flight to Morocco and his private jet to meet with uh, – Jeffrey Laurie, as they were yacht, as they were yacht hunting and shopping. This is a man who has 200 grand on the table at all times. He has a condominium next to Xander Krause on Broad Street. He's got a townhouse overlooking Trumpville in Madison Avenue. <laughs> I say that with good respect. Thank you. And I don't believe that that will be commandeered by the AG of uh, New Jersey or New York, our good friend, the legend himself, Philly Godfather. How are you, my friend? Good, man. Had to take a little vacation after that long football season. And uh, I feel refreshed. I'm glad I'm back on the show. And hopefully next year we can go down to Mar-a-Lago and play some golf, you know? Woo! <laughs> you know that thing? Hey, get this. I've played that because it was Doral. And they've got a hole on that course that's 650 yards. Wow. 
and it's called the Blue Monster. <laughs> and hey, that's from the White Tees. Yeah, it's, it, out it's of my some league. of the biggest. Yeah. It's some <laughs> of the <laughs> longest driving holes. Yeah, that's out of my. That's way out of my league. Me man. too. Hey, <laughs> you mean to tell me I, my second shot's three hundred fourteen <laughs> yards away? Holy shit, man! Oh my god. Hey, so how did the football season go for you? We had a great season, great NFL season. College football came on strong in the playoffs uh, down late in the season. It was, it was another fabulous football season. Made some money. And, uh, you know, that's what we do. That's how I make a living. That's how I eat. So if I don't have a football season, you know, I might lose a house or two. <laughs> hey, how, hey, what do you make of what's going on with the Eagles over the last – between the D-Gun reporting – um, about uh, Jalen not being able to handle the money. You had to have Big Dom on the sidelines to control Nick. You're hearing players in the locker room, all this stuff. I mean, just your take on what you've heard so far and what you've been watching. It kind of confirms what we talked about all season on your show. Uh, I mean, you know, the Titanic sank, right, towards you know, end of the season, one and six, and during that time span, negative 82-point differential. Now this year, no Jason Kelsey. You lose your center. Fletcher Cox probably ain't going to be there. You got Darius Slade going on a podcast with that uh, ex-Eagle Nelson talking about, you know, Eagles fans and alienating all the Eagles fans. And even though Slade did say he loves the city of Philadelphia, you know, I mean, you can't do that. They're the guys that purchase the tickets, buy the jerseys, watch the games. You can't alienate your fans. Uh, you're making millions of dollars and you're crying. Nobody wants to hear that. You know what I mean? Then you got A.J. Brown going on WIP. Uh, crying about his feelings. Nobody understands him. And he's the <laughs> real leader in the locker room. And, and then he throws Jalen Hurts under the bus. He's not a vocal leader like me. And you can't do that either. You know, you got Hassan Reddick on the trading block. He's not going to be here. Uh, you got, uh, you know, they went and picked up that kid from the Titans. Now they cut him. They picked up Shaq Leonard. They were trying to put Band-Aids on a wound that needed like 50 stitches last year. And we saw what transpired at the end of the season. Uh, and then we go back to Jalen Hurts, you know. He, he had a bad year, you know, mediocre at best. We talked about a couple other quarterbacks that played better than him last year. And if you look at his overall career, he had the one great season, MVP type of year, but the rest of his career has been mediocre at best. So is he the MVP quarterback moving forward or is he the mediocre guy? And now you don't have Kelsey. I mean, this guy's putting up mediocre numbers with the best offensive line in football, the most weapons in the NFL, a pretty good defense you know, the year before when he had the MVP year. And moving forward, you know, they're not going to be as good. So how how good is Jalen Hurts at QB? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not, you know. And then you got, out of all the coaches in the NFL playoffs last year, who was the worst? If you have, Nick Sirianni. Yeah. So now you got a coach going up against guys like Shanahan, like Andy Reid. You're going up against Harbaugh. You're going to – even Dan Campbell's better than – then you got McVeigh's out there. You got the uh, the guy from uh, Green Bay. Uh, I forget Matt his LaFleur. name. Matt LaFleur. You got teams on the rise, and you're sitting here with Nick Sirianni. Thank God you went and picked up, you know, two good coordinators in uh, Fangio and Kellen Moore. But if they start off one and six the way they finished to start off next season, they're in trouble. How about this, too? I say this to you that Kellen Moore – He's a coach in waiting, and he's the head coach of the Eagles in waiting, and here's why. You mean to tell me you think – Because here, follow me here. So Jalen Hurts has had Sirianni, Steichen, Brian Johnson, and now Kellen Moore. He's had four coordinators in three years. 
you're going to, if Moore turns him around, let's just say he turns him around, you're going to allow him to walk out the building to get a head coaching job somewhere else when you know that that guy's not a very good head coach. You're going to let him go. I think you're going to move on from Nick Sirianni because you're not going to let happen what Shane Steichen did when he went out of the building and went to Indianapolis to try to take a crapshoot again on another coordinator. I mean, his problem, Billy Godfather, the problem that the Eagles have is that they don't have a play-calling head coach. Look at all the great coaches that are in the game today, and if you're not Harbaugh or Tomlin, you're McVay. You're Matt LaFleur. You're Andy Reid. You're a play-calling guy, that, and that's why I think Sean McDermott's in trouble up in uh, Buffalo. I think they need to have a play-calling head coach, and I think that's the trend because it's a fail-safe from losing. So I think Kellen Moore is the coach in waiting. Yeah, he could be. I mean, especially if they start off slow. I think the first guy to get axed is going to be Sirianni. So, uh, you know, and, he, and he's taking credit for the offenses over the last couple of years. They weren't his offenses. I mean, let's be honest. Absolutely, they weren't. Um, you know, it's funny about Slate t- saying that the Eagle fans are toxic. I said this. I said, if you really want to change the culture in that building, maybe you move off of Reddick or Slay and you make a statement in that locker room that nobody's job is safe and that you make a statement like that that kind of shakes the room up and says that to people, hey, it's time to produce here instead of time of sitting back because, I mean, whatever how he does when it comes to his draft picks or his deals that he makes, he so falls in love with himself, he doesn't remember that it's not a culture that he has in the building. He talked about it yesterday at the Combines. This is not a culture. It's a process he believes in. So, I mean, what, what would you be a fan of them moving off of Slay and maybe eating some of that dead cap money? I'd give him another year because he can play. I mean, he, he's, he's very talented. I just don't like the fact that Harry Roseman did the complete opposite of what you just said. He was praising Bradbury. I read an article yesterday about it, and I'm like, how can he still stand behind Bradbury? I mean, he had one of the horrible seasons that's why the eagles were so bad last year they were picking on them left and right so slay i wouldn't get rid of not yet uh but i mean there's a lot of bad news a lot a lot of predictive indicators that are telling me next season is going to be extremely tough for the philadelphia eagles team they got the 10th uh their 10th favorite to win the super bowl at 20 to 1 odds so that's you know that, that isn't giving me no assurance and uh I, actually the only good news i think i read about this team is that Goodell said he's not going to uh, outlaw the put the tush push, so that's probably the only good news the Eagles have so far going into the season. <laughs> well, if Kelsey goes away, it goes away. Yeah, it might. It might. It okay, might. I mean, I, I I don't see Cam Jurgens performing that tush push the way that Jason Kelsey. That thing is not. Do you know that Jason Kelsey with Carson Wentz doing that same play was twenty six to twenty eight? Wow. So it's Kelsey. It's it's not yeah. hurts. Yeah. You know, and I hope the Eagles, you know, I hope they, you know, outperform the market next year. I hope they have a great season. I hope Jalen Hurts bounces back. But when you look at all the indicators and you just ch- start checking them off, it doesn't look that way. It looks like they're going down the wrong road. Absolutely here. 49ers Chiefs, what are you going to do in this offseason? What are you going to what are you going to take the long bet on here? Are you going to th- who who would you favor between these two to get back to the Super Bowl? I mean, you can't quantify greatness. That's all I talked about before the Super Bowl. And you can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, even though that 49ers team was stacked, and if Greenlaw doesn't get hurt, 
on that sideline. Kelsey doesn't explode in the second half, and 49ers might have won that Super Bowl. But they're, they're the two teams to beat. They're the two odds-on favorites. you got to watch out for the Chargers, obviously, with Harbaugh, Justin Herbert. The Packers at 20-1, to 1, I think, is going to be a really good bet. I think the Lions fall off a little bit, and I think the Bears are going to surprise some people. They're, they're going to have a last-place schedule. Uh, they're building a real strong nucleus uh, in Chicago. Uh, they're probably going to trade fields and uh, pick up that kid from uh, USC. Uh, if, if he's the real deal, well, then the Bears might sneak in the playoffs next year. So, you know, you got the Rams. You got McVay. You got, you know, the NFC is just going to get tougher and tougher and tougher. And if the Eagles, you know, don't make the right moves, they could be in trouble. Absolutely. Your favorite to win or going into the offseason here as you get ready for the free agency draft coming up. Before you know it, we're going to be in training camp again. If you had to put your money on a guy right now to be the winner of the MVP, who would be the front leader right now for you for the most valuable player going into the season in September? You know, I was disappointed. I mean, Lamar had a good regular season, but he didn't have a great one, and they gave it to him last year. Uh, Those numbers be, were pedestrian. Yeah, like, I don't know. You know, I don't know why they did that. Um, I think Justin Herbert has a big season coming back. Mahomes, obviously. Uh, how can you put anything past him? Uh, those are probably the two guys that you got to watch out for for the MVP. I mean, the two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So, you know, uh, you know, on the NFC side, you know, Dak beat up on some bad teams, padded his numbers. So was he really the MVP? No. Did he have MVP numbers? Yes. Uh, Hurts? <laughs> I, I, I can't see it. Uh, Goff, you know, Goff had, had the second best numbers in the uh, in the NFL last season. So, And they're working on a contract extension in Detroit as we speak. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's a name you want to put up there. Uh, I'm not putting uh, Shake and Bake up there, even though he had a better season than Jalen Hurts. Uh, <laughs> How about Gardner Minshew? Gardner Minshew had a better season as well. <laughs> Gardner but, yeah. Minshew and Baker Mayfield had better seasons than Hurts. Yeah, and watch out for Jordan Love. Yeah. How about I mean, CJ Stroud? Yes. Uh, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. That kid's amazing. And then that kid from uh, the Colts is coming back. He's going to be healthy. So and Anthony Richardson, I think he yeah. showed some promise in his first yeah. four. Yeah, so it's going to get real interesting. Depends on how strong their offensive lines are. Because as a quarterback, you know, you can only be as great as, you know, as your offensive line lets you be. Because you need time to pass the ball, make some decisions. And, uh, you know, it weighs down on the offensive line big time. Is it me or is it Jim Harbaugh is the favorite to win the NFL Coach of the Year in 24? Probably. You're probably right. Yeah, I got to check the odds. I haven't checked the odds. And going back to the MVP, don't forget about Joe Burr. I mean, when oh, he's yeah, healthy. Him coming back, that's right. When he's healthy. And he, he's had the worst offensive line in football over the last three years, and he's got he's he's done stuff I don't even think Mahomes could have done with those offensive lines. That's how good Joe Burr is. You know, I'm going to do something here, and I'm going to deviate off of football here for a second. And I've never done this in my entire life. And what? listen to what I'm telling you here. So this Saturday, the number six Iowa Hawkeyes are taking on the number two Ohio State Buckeyes. And it's Caitlin Clark. And she's going, I think she's trying to pass Maravich. This chick is selling out arenas on the road. And like Xander said, 
I've never watched a woman play basketball in my life and enjoyed it like that. And who do you got in this game on Saturday? Because they – what? listen to this. I don't even know how I know this. They upset them earlier in the year in Columbus, and here we are now. They're going to be in uh, at Iowa. Who do you got this weekend, and how many points does she score? Man, Iowa is actually ranked uh, in my true power rankings like three spots better. But the game's a coin flip. I mean, I got to go back to that first game and see – there were any aberrations if anyone underperformed against the norm you know regression to the norm is big in college hoops uh but the game the game's gonna be fun to watch if you look at you know like a team like iowa against top 25 teams they're four and three on the season ohio state's four and two uh on the road ohio state two and one nothing great uh iowa's five and oh on the road so they, they travel better than ohio state does uh but the game's basically cool. i really got to dig deep into it I haven't bet it yet, but I got Iowa ranked a little higher than Ohio State. Does she go for more than 40? A lot of points. Yeah, I mean, she could. She could. Last time she played against him, I think she had 46. She could, but I think they're gonna key I think they're gonna key in on her. They know. I mean, if they got any chance of winning that game, they're gonna have to stop her. So or at least this slow is it down. That I even know this that Ohio State <laughs> has two bigs on the box. And that these they were really good against. And I'm going like, I have never in my entire life watched it to that extent. That's what I'm saying here. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable that this is, and I said it earlier too, finally, a true woman's story about women's sports that is a good feel-good story and not politically driven or yo-yoed by anybody in the White House or Congress or any person, this is a true story about women's sports. Plus, it's a quality product. I mean, you see what a great players do to, to to games. I mean, she's playing lights out like no one's ever played before, and you want to watch that. You want to watch great players play, you know, amazing. Okay, who? what do the Bears do? Do they trade out of the first pick, or do they take Caleb Williams? I talked to my buddy in Chicago. He said they're taking Caleb Williams. They think he's the man. Uh, they think. What he's do you a, think of him? You I wait hey, before you answer that. My friend Alonzo Highsmith, who now works for New England, and Dan Morgan went. If that guy's six feet, that's I'm tough. seven feet. <laughs> and hey, they think he's awful small. Well, that's what I was going to say. They got him listed at six one. I don't think no he's way. So tall. Um. Emotionally, is he emotionally built for the NFL? Uh, for those fans in Chicago, doesn't look that way. But they're big on him, so you know. I mean, maybe they see something I don't. I wouldn't pick him number one, but that, more than likely, Chicago's going to take him number one. Okay, the Eagles. What do they do with their pick at twenty-two? Do they move out, up? Do they take an alignment, or do do they take another position? You got to take an O-lineman, don't you? I mean, yeah, because that's, that's what you do great. Right. That's that's what you got to do, take the O-lineman. I mean, <laughs> you know, without your offensive line, you don't have a team. You can't protect your – and Jalen Hurts needs a great offensive line. If he's going to perform, if he's going to outperform, if he's going to perform at an optimum level, this offensive line for the Eagles has to be stacked. Do you pay Dak Prescott $60 million this offseason? I don't. 
You know, I don't. He's so Cooper he's, Rush is your guy in Dallas. Dak Prescott's such a choke artist, man. <laughs> he's such a choke artist. He's never going to be able to win the big game, in my opinion. You know, he can pad his numbers against inferior teams, inferior defenses. But you saw what happened when they stepped up last year. Major problems against the better teams in the NFL. I mean, you lose as a seven-point favorite, you know, in the playoffs. That's embarrassing. And you throw two interceptions in the first half. You know, that, that's, that's not a guy I want to give $60 million to. So – we're going to get a better version of Dak Prescott because Kellen Moore is now the new offensive coordinator in Philly. So Eagle fans can expect to see uh, Dak Prescott in Philadelphia. Is that what we're saying here? Because that's the only guy he's really, he's really coached and he didn't do a very good job with Justin Herbert. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we get um, a better, we, we, we get a more polished Dak Prescott in Philly. Well, listen, the one thing Jalen Hurts isn't, he's not a choke artist. So I'll take that any day of the week. When he's got all the superstars around him, that kid ain't choking. You saw that, played his ass off in the Super Bowl, in the playoffs. But he needs that team to be loaded. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Justin Herbert. He's not He's not Josh Allen. I mean, he's a different type of quarterback, gives you different options of how to win the game. But that team needs to be stacked for him to play great. Justin Fields, Pittsburgh or Atlanta? For his sake, I hope he goes to Pittsburgh. I mean, who wants to go to Atlanta? I don't know. But uh, if I had to take, I, I say Pittsburgh. Great strip clubs in Atlanta. By the <laughs> way, I died. Hey, <laughs> Russell Wilson, <laughs> Pittsburgh or Atlanta? <laughs> I don't know. I got. I, I haven't done that. You're catching me off guard with women's basketball. <laughs> the Gold Club. Not that I know anything about it. I just, you know, heard. I mean, <laughs> not that I. He probably ends up in Atlanta. I don't know. He could go to Atlanta. Do you think he has anything left? I don't know. Yeah, I think he's got something left, man. I think he still play a little bit. If you want I mean, to go to Montreal, how many starting quarterbacks did we have last year in the NFL? Guys are getting hurt. What, 58 different quarterbacks started a game yep. last year in the NFL? I, I mean, there's always room for someone like him. And if he gets his head on straight uh, and he stops being a prima donna, you never know. He could bounce back and have a major, huge season. If you're ever in the Montreal area, Shea Paris. <laughs> Just. <laughs> They don't let me in Canada. They don't let me. I'm not allowed to go to Canada. You're not allowed in Canada? How's oh Jesus? Is that gonna be in the movie? <laughs> it's so stupid. I, I flew up there years ago and they had stopped me at the airport. And they go, Why are you trying to sneak into our country? I go, What are you talking about? I got 10 grand on me. I want to go shopping and have some fun at you know shape parade. And uh, they made me uh pay a fine and they let me in that one time at the airport, but they told me next time I gotta go to the a Canadian uh, place in New York and fill out a bunch of paperwork. Uh, this way I can go back. And I never did that. And then we tried to drive up and they stopped us and they wouldn't let me in the country. They detained us for like six hours. And I kept telling them, I just want to come to your country and spend some money, have some fun. And they sent us back to the States. They didn't let me in. That's okay, man. I, I, I showed up at the gates at Novacare and after <laughs> finding out how they are very upset with me and my, my takes and such, and now they're barring people from coming on my program. Um, 
yeah, I'm not allowed at the Novacare Center too. So <laughs> I was told that, but the only difference was is that Big Dom didn't detain me. So I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't held against my will there yet. Yeah, that's for you and my buddy Joe Sanliquito. He banned him a couple of times as well. He's the guy that wrote the Carson Wentz story a few years back. Did they ban <laughs> him after that story? I think they finally let him back in like four or five years later, but yeah. All he did was tell well, the, the truth. The guy who wrote the truth yeah. who ended up being vindicated. Yeah. They exiled him to the island of misfit toys, also. And one of the nicest guys in the world, one of my close friends. And I remember when he was, you know, researching the stuff, I was close to the story and he kept asking me, I'm like, Joe, as long as you tell the truth, man, the truth, you know, no one can stop you if you tell the truth. And that's what he did. And they tried to make him out to be a villain. And in the end, like you said, he was vindicated. The whole thing was 100% accurate. Well, I'm glad that you showed up because people are being told not to come on my show anymore. That's crazy. I'll be on here every week, man. Whatever hey, you need, I'm there. Twice I'm not, a week after. <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. I we we are not allowed to have people from NBC Sports Philly. We're not allowed to have a lot of people on any longer because certain people have made um, inquiries. Why? Because you told the truth. I mean, what are they mad about? We told the truth before anyone else did. I called the I called the GM a librarian, (laughs) (laughs) and I said he can't drive corners. (laughs) I don't know. know You know what? That that you got the best show in Philly. You got the biggest numbers in Philly. I guess they realize that. You know? Well, scary, it, man. it well you, just like Denzel says, they don't come after you. Yep. Um, when things are you know no things are going uh, uh bad, they go after you when things are going great. Yeah. That's when yeah. that's when the devil comes for you. Yeah, hey, what do you true. have on the horizon? What are you doing this weekend? What's how's the show going? Hey, by the way, NCAA. How big is that compared to the um, the NCAA tournament? Now, I know COVID absolutely probably destroyed your business a couple of years ago when they canceled the tournament, but how big is that compared to the NFL playoffs? And I know it's not on the same page, but yet, is that the second biggest event in America? I think it's just as big as the Super Bowl. It's not a one-day wow. event. Yeah, it, the numbers are huge. And that COVID year... I, I hate every time someone brings it up because I had Dayton at 100 to 1 to win the whole thing. I bet it before the season started that year, and they ended up being the number one seed with the best record in college basketball. Now, would they have won it? I don't know, but they would have got really close. Uh, so that, that 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 irks me every time I think about it. You know, I had big money at 100 to 1. It was one of the greatest bets I think I've ever made uh, in my life, and they end up canceling the season. But yeah, no, March Madness is huge. That's what I've been doing all day, uh, nonstop for like the last probably like nine hours just going through everything, all the metrics, you know, all the teams, how they performed against the top 25, top 50, what the record is on the road at home. Do they travel well? What's their free throw percentage? Uh, what tier do the coaches fall in? Like a guy like Rick Pitino, you know, he's probably the best coach in college basketball. He's, he's coaching the St. John's team. That's that's like 17 and 12, but they've hung around with anybody. And right now you can get them at 500 to one. That's a, it's a lottery ticket, but if they get in a tournament with a coach like that, even though they don't have the horses, you know, they hung around with Connecticut. They lost to Marquette by one point. They just beat Creighton. A team like that is, is a, the sleeper of all sleepers. And if you're giving me 500 to one on Rick Pitino, you know, I'll put a hundred bucks on it. It wins 50,000. If it gets close, you can hedge. You know, I'm not thinking they can win the whole thing because you got teams like Purdue. 
who's seven and zero against top twenty-five teams. You got teams like Houston. You got teams like Arizona, which are a little softer. You got the Iowa States. You got the Auburns. There's some pretty good basketball teams out there. Kentucky's starting to play some really good basketball. Uh, North Carolina, but you know, I'm looking for value. I bet on value. I don't bet on teams. I bet on price. And then we look to make some money, whether we're going to hedge or we actually cash the ticket. And the Clippers, NBA, I gave it to you guys before the season started, 22 to 1. Now they're at uh, plus 450, the second favorite to win the whole thing. So we're always looking at price. We don't bet on teams, we bet on price. Where's the Sixers in this now without Embiid? They're done. I mean, it's over. They got no shot. Are the Lakers a playing team? It might be. Yeah. I mean, it all depends on Davis, how he performs, but. I mean, you got LeBron. I think they want to put him in there. Anytime you start seeing all these fouls being called on the Lakers' opponents and you see the Lakers on the foul line and you see such a big, you know, discrepancy on free throw shooting in those games, then you know the league wants to put him in and they're going to put him in. They're going to do whatever they can to put LeBron in the playoffs. Is it is it Denver? And, you know, man, I'll tell you, since Doc took over Milwaukee, they've blown. So is it Denver and Boston again? I'm hoping it's Boston and the Clippers. That's who I need. Right now, actually, the Clippers are the second favorite, and Denver's right behind them, and the Celtics are like at plus 250, I think, to win the whole thing. Celtics are going to be hard to beat. The Warriors are playing better. Yeah, they're okay. They're okay. They're battle-tested. They're battle But, got, yeah, teams like Denver, I mean, <laughs> guy's a monster, Jokic. Teams yeah. like the Clippers, you know, they're starting to play like a team. They got some superstars, a lot of ego on that team, but – they found a way to put it together and play some pretty good basketball. And the Celtics are just, you know, their heads and shoulders above the Bucks. If the Bucks can play some defense, I mean, that team can put up 150 points. That team's so good offensively. So it's going to be interesting down the playoffs. The NBA is going to get real interesting. I want to ask you one last college game, one, a college question. Is Self the best coach in the uh, college basketball right now, or would you take someone else? Like, and and you know what, I haven't been keeping up on it, and which is usually something that I do. But I mean Gonzaga. I mean, are they are they in this thing here? Um, is Kansas in this thing here? Because usually, Self is a really good postseason coach. You know, you you always have UConn in that conversation because of the talent they get up there. But you know, where are we on the top three teams in your opinion? And, well, and I, I'd like to get your opinion on San Diego State. I mean, because I love the fact that Jeff. I mean, that Coach Fisher, Steve Fisher, built that program up, and now you got Brian Dutcher, who I know very well. And I, I actually go to some of those games, see the Aztecs at Vejas Arena. I mean, where do you see some of those teams? Well, my tier one coaches, Rick Bettina, number one, Tony Bennett. You got the Scott Drew, Mark Few. You got Dan Hurley at UConn. Izzo, Michigan State, when they get in, that's a team that surprised me. I got Bill Self, and I, and I got Samson from Houston. That's my tier one coaches. And the only reason why – it's funny. I didn't know you were going to ask me that question, but that's what I've been researching all day, and I, I tie in – you know, my ratings with all the teams. Tier two, I got Calipari. I got uh, Rick Barnes, uh, Dutcher from San Diego State. I got Bruce Pearl from Auburn. Uh, Shaka Smart from Marquette. You know, when it comes to March Madness, if you don't got the right coaches and they can't make those, you know, changes because it's such a quick turnaround, then uh, you, you're going to be out, you know. So they're, they're, they're my coaches. But, yeah, all those teams are in the top ten. Like, right now I got I got Houston ranked number one. Tennessee, two. I got Purdue, three. But Purdue can beat anybody. You got Arizona, Connecticut, Auburn, North Carolina, Alabama, Iowa State, Creighton, Marquette. And then you got Duke on the outside, Illinois, Michigan State, which is a very – I mean, with with Izzo at coach, they can beat anyone. And you got Kentucky. 
Kentucky's a very scary team. So, you know, Kansas Kansas is right behind Kentucky. So they're my teams. Gonzaga's like ranked top 20 for me. So they're right around 2021. 20, kind of in the same boat with um, the Aztecs then probably too then, right down there, yeah, bottom so in the 20s. San Diego State. Where do I got San Diego State? I got them ranked like 28. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's March Madness. It's the teams have been battle-tested. The teams that don't miss their foul shots, when you got great guard play, when you got, you know, effective height, when you got defense, and when you got the coach. That's what great guard play, great coaching, and great defense gets you far in, you know, in March Madness. My, my friend Steve Fisher, who coached the uh, Fab Five and also won a national title with Glenn Rice when he took over um, for Bill Frieder, he won a national title. He's been the four with Michigan. He rebuilt the Aztec program. He coached Kawhi Leonard and recruited him. He's not in the College Football Hall of Fame. Wow. How and he's won possible? an NIT. How's that possible? Well, it's because, <laughs> of the, it's because of that whole thing with the Fab Five. That's stupid. I love Steve Fisher. Yeah, hey, he man, I appreciate it, brother. This he weekend, does, right? People can catch you. Just uh, go to my Twitter account, at Philly Godfather. Stop by the phillygodfather.com. Our show comes back next year for football season. Took a little hiatus, a little tired. Uh, and we're going to start with the baseball soon. But March Madness is what's up next. And we're going to be reading about, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day and trying to help you guys make some money. So. There you go. Keep punching away, brother. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you very much, Philly Godfather. Thank you, my friend. Make yeah. sure you catch him on the weekends here on Jacob, too. Hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show. bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life we believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports and certainly the easiest when you're watching the NBA and the NBA playoffs are almost here and you can win money making picks. What are you waiting for? Sign up on underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code WIN. An underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Get ready for the NBA and get ready for the NBA playoffs. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. 
Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Big sales. Craig Carton sincerely apologizes. Big sales. So sorry. Thought someone was calling me. I lost sight of the time. Please forgive me. Sincere apologies. Monday's good. We will make it up for you and we'll go a full hour. So, all good. See? Patience. That's the one thing that the big sales has learned over all these years is patience. And all my years, not to lose my cool. Just ask Xander. I've never been in a bitching match with him and his dad. (laughs) And, oh, by the way, it's not like they're tame either. Um, Big Joe will let you have it too, man. It's like your dad talking to me. Okay, so I mean, hey, but get this. It comes from a place of love. I was getting a little nervous here that someone had gotten to him. He said, no, that's okay. Someone did talk to me, but I'm still doing it. So, he, of course, Craig's going to buck the system. So, he's going to be on Monday with us, too. So, we so look forward to that. We apologize for today and him not showing up, but he sends his sincere apologies. Just so I can not give you his cell phone number. See, apologies. Sincere apologies. Monday's good. All right. Have yourselves a spectacular weekend. We so appreciate each and every single one of you coming here and spending your time with us. Thank you guys again. Xander, Big Joe, awesome as always, and all of you. Two to six on Monday, and we'll see you on the flip side. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.